I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? So, um, guys, be patient with us. Uh, we have Ben Nelson, and that probably is the biggest reason to need patience ever <laughs> in your life. And look, Ben smiles. He did it at the beginning. This uh, is a grimace. <laughs> we got new microphones. We got audio equipment. We're trying to make everything sound a little bit better and also upload things to a podcast. So, um, if there's any audio issues, Mr. P is sitting to my right. Hey-o. Hey-o. And uh, he'll let us know, so leave comments, leave messages. Uh, we're also going to, yeah, do all that stuff. But Ben Nelson, I got the great, infamous Ben Nelson sitting here with me tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. Infamous? Yeah, that's probably, that probably Not famous. No, very <laughs> infamous. <laughs> that, really, that really died off quickly. That was nice. Good Thanks. talking to everybody. Thanks I'll talk to you tomorrow. Here, <laughs> and Ben's done. So, Ben, there's so much I've gotten to know about you. I sit in a little freaking box in the middle of a packing room with you, the little fishbowl. Everybody stares at us like we're monkeys. Like we're in a fishbowl, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they don't know you, though. So, I want to teach these people. Oh, my oh bad. Sorry. Mute. Sorry about that. For the record, Mr. P is Nicholas Lott. Well, and he is kind uh, of. Acti- I, don't know, I don't know who that is. He's <laughs> acting in the role of our uh, uh, producer tonight. I'm, I'm not on the camera, so uh, I'm actually not there. He's in another dimension, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish you guys could hear it through these headphones because it's way better. What you can see live is that Nick has headphones on and he can hear everything we're saying very well through the mic. Oh and boy. so he's having a good time 10 feet from us. It's at an almost <laughs> creepy level, like you're telling me secrets in, in my ears. <laughs> and like you're sitting on the right, and the right side is up a little louder to you than the left. Left side's a little louder. So, yeah, it's a little bit like you guys are in my brain. Awesome. But I'm That's super into it. I'm kind of creeped out. So <laughs> back to <laughs> Ben. Um, your life, man. I want to know where you started. Where, where, where did you come from besides man, love, a woman? Oh, well, so my uh, parents got together <laughs> eventually, and they had what's called intercourse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked you know what intercourse is. And it took, two, it took <laughs> at least two other times of intercourse before I came along because I'm the third child in a family of three chi- children. So I'm the youngest. Um, no, I mean I don't know where where do I where do I begin? You're from Alaska. I'm from Alaska. You grew up in Alaska. I did. Born and raised. In Alaska, yes. What part? Anchorage. How big? I I don't know anything about Alaska. So Alaska is two and a half times the size of Texas. Just for all you Texas people out there. <laughs> and uh, we probably have I think Anchorage is about three hundred and fifty thousand, and we probably have six hundred seven hundred thousand in the state total. So I mean when you compare it to the size of Texas, we're bigger than Texas, but we only have, I don't know, not even a fifth of what Houston population-wise is. There's a lot of space is what I'm saying in Alaska. You can go a long <laughs> ways without seeing other human beings, and it's <laughs> awesome. I'm not going to lie. I think everybody doesn't move there because s- they still think you're there. No, I'm down here now. I'm, I'm surprised people aren't moving to Alaska since I'm not there anymore. Yeah. I um. Your whole life, man, I, I've heard a lot of things. So a lot of people might know you as the manager at Skydive Spaceland, the guy that wears a boob patch with his radio in it, who walks up like this. 
That's called a manager's stare, and it takes <laughs> a lot of practice, okay? Just chill out. So, yeah, people wanted to see you smile. They want to know more about you. Um, and some people, all the capacity they've ever seen you in is the manager, which, I mean, you do have a lot of safety things to go over. I'm glad better you than me. Um, you have a very diverse background. What was your first job, your first career? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, uh, if, if I want to take it all the way back, so my dad owned an excavating company in Anchorage, and that's where <coughs> I started basically <coughs> every summer, which in Alaska, the summers are actually so long that that's the construction season. So, you know, there was uh, the summer times working for dad where we'd be up at, I don't know, 4 o'clock in the morning getting all the gear ready, and then we would be out till 11 o'clock at night because the sun in Alaska is out in the summertime for a long, 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 long time. So I did uh, I did excavation for my dad, grew up doing that, and um, we we had a good, it was a good life. Living, living in Alaska is pretty awesome. I know some people think it's really super cold and terrible and <laughs> miserable, but there's two things that people do in Alaska when they turn five years old. They either put ice skates on or skis on, and I put skis on, and so in the wintertime, we have lots of things that occupy our time, and, and then in the summertime, we have so much sunlight that it makes up for the dark winters that uh, we're always out and about doing doing other stuff. And hitting things. And hitting things, yeah, hitting yeah. mics. So Alaska, it's on my list of places to go. You yeah. should go. In fact, I'm going to do a shameless plug right now for the Summer Solstice Boogie at uh, Alaska Skydive Center. Uh, summer Solstice, so June 13th through the 19th in Palmer, Alaska. They're going to have an otter. June 13th awesome. through 19th. Yep. Summer Solstice Boogie. Summer Solstice Boogie. Alaska Skydiving Center? Alaska Skydiving Center, yep. Cool, man. Sorry, I'm trying Shannon to process. Shannon Jardine is the guy that <laughs> owns the place, and uh, we're going to try for an Alaska State head-down record bigger than the one we did last time, which was a four-way. So I think we're going to be able to do it. I think you can. Are you uh, getting a lot of people coming to that? Is that? Not really. It's a tough, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough boogie to sell because getting to Alaska in the summertime is pretty expensive, first of all. And then once you get there, it's the tourist season, so it's it's pretty expensive. But I will say this: it is well worth it's well worth the time, effort, and money to go and see Alaska. Um, you're not going to see it in any better way than from thirteen thousand feet, which is uh, a pretty pretty awesome. Jumping over glaciers, we're actually landing on glaciers, which is <coughs> nice. There's an actual glacier jump that you can go on, and so. It's uh, it's amazing, and I, I would recommend it to anybody, not just because it's my home, but because it's amazingly beautiful. I've definitely got to try it. Uh, one one of my life goals is to see the Aurora Borealis. Mm -hmm. I'm, you've seen it most of your life growing yes. up. Yes. What time so. of year is... Wintertime is usually the best because in the wintertime in Alaska, it's dark, and that's the best time to see it. It happens in the summertime, but because we have so much light, you can't really tell that it's actually happening. So I would recommend, if you're going to do it, I would go to the interior of the state, somewhere around Fairbanks, and do it in the January, February, March uh, range. That's when you're going to see the best. Uh, While it's cold. Range. While it's really, really cold, yep. And dark, actually, is what you're looking for is dark. Montana. I mm. could do it for Montana, too. You can see it in Montana, actually. In fact, you can Not see it in places like Northern California and, uh, and Washington and Oregon certain times of years. So Okay. I didn't know it came that far south. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. In the southern part of the hemisphere, it's called the Aurora Australis, uh, and that's where you'll see it in, like, New Zealand, for example. It's not called the Aurora Borealis. It's called the Aurora Australis uh, just because it's in the southern hemisphere. You're man. Knowledge. I just dropped some knowledge on I you guys. I, I learned something from That's ben worth Nelson. a sip of beer right here. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so be patient. Ben Nelson has a six-pack. His goal is to get through the six-pack by the end of the night and My still be able to. It's <laughs> definitely not a six-pack. I got a keg. No, my thought was if I start uh, the if the beginning of this whole thing is not very fun, by the end after a six-pack, it's definitely gonna be fun. I uh, I'm doing something I don't think most people ever have seen me do. I tell people I don't drink, but yeah. when I do drink, I just drink pickles. It's so. apple juice. Don't let them fool you. <laughs> don't tell my secrets. Don't tell my secrets. Um, secrets. So one of the jobs I've known you have, and, and one of the advantages of having you on the DZ, is you are a paramedic. And mm-hmm. speaking of which, I have forgot to do this. A gal, oh my God, named Darcel, Darcel Mueller. Okay. Uh, she rolled her ankle, broke her ankle in the landing area, and you okay. helped and responded. Mm-hmm. And the folks at the hospital, folks at the ER, told her she actually might have lost her ankle if the person who didn't do the job did such a good job. And she said to actually thank you, and I can't <laughs> believe I'm going to get Ben Nelson's ego out my door after that. <laughs> but from Darcel, thank you so much. She was very grateful for everything you did. Well, I'm glad that she was able – I didn't know that. I did not know that she uh, – that there was that complicated when she got to the ER. But I'm glad that she was able to <coughs> get that taken care of. Yeah. Well, I was supposed to tell you. You didn't know it because I'm an idiot. Okay. <laughs> um, I think we can all toast to that. Paramedic. So you're a paramedic. You have been a paramedic. Yep. I was a, Actually, I was in flight medicine for many years both ground and uh, flight in Alaska, um, a lot of the uh, medical responses are done long distance. Because um, everybody lives in another country. Everybody lives. Well, we're the only state that has a capital that you have to drive. Uh, you can't drive to. You have to take a boat or you have to fly. <laughs> so uh, that kind of gives you a little bit of an understanding of the distances <coughs> that we're covering. So I did that for uh, – actually did that for a number of years, and um, it was it was awesome. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Medicine was uh, it's just one of those things that came very natural to me, I think, is the best way to describe it. I didn't – going through going through all my schooling, I never actually studied very much, <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> it just – it just everything just kind of came naturally, and, and it was something that I enjoyed doing, and I did it for a number of years. And I looking back, I'm glad I did it, and I'm glad I'm not doing it anymore, which is not a bad thing. How long? About – oh, man. <coughs> about 15 years. 12 years, 1995, 96 was when I started. I did not realize it was that long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Did you change audio to the computer with your headset? No, that's me. Okay. No, I'm just uh, monitoring comments, but there aren't many because no one's interested in Ben Nelson. So that's absolutely Nobody true, and I don't blame them. Um, 15 years. I knew it was a little bit of time, but I thought it was like three or four years. No, no, I did it. I did it for a number of years. Now, at various levels, you know, when you start off in the in the uh, industry, it's almost like uh, actually it's a really good uh, parallel because when you start off in emergency medicine, it's almost like when you get your A license, right? You start off with uh, a basic level of knowledge, and then as time progresses, you uh, gain more knowledge and more experience, and you get higher licenses and higher credentials that allow you to do different things. That you can get digital cards for. <laughs> Nowadays, actually, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you can get a digital card anymore. Go to Ben Nelson's Facebook. He's hating on digital cards. No, I didn't. I didn't no, no, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm, I wasn't kidding. Hating. I'm kidding. I wasn't hating on the USPA's new digital cards. I was just seeing what everybody else thought of them, and I was p- playing devil's advocate in a few different cases. <laughs> So Most of which were against the comments you made. You got the A license, mm-hmm. and after your A license mm-hmm. in paramedics, mm-hmm. what did you do? Um, man, it was a lot of time on the ground, a lot of patient care, basic basic patient care. And it's funny because, <coughs> you know, I tell this to I. So there was a period of time in medicine where I actually used to teach uh, advanced cardiac life support, 
um, basic cardiac life support, uh, pediatric advanced life support. These were things that I used to teach people. And uh, it was funny to me because when I started teaching more advanced medical skills, it seems like the basics were, were always thrown to the side by the medical providers that I was teaching. So, for example, you know, uh, in, in most emergency medical situations, uh, we focus on airway, breathing, circulation. We're plugging holes. We're, we're <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds really bad, yeah. but you gotta, you got to approach it from a medical perspective. Uh. So let's say gunshot wounds, right? We want to plug the gunshot wounds, DJ, you sick-minded freak. <laughs> We want to we want to uh, increase the volume in their if they've lost a lot of blood. We want to increase the volume. We want to keep that volume circulating throughout their their body, uh, in the form of their heartbeat. So there's, you know, airway, breathing, circulation. It's the basics. It's it's the basics. It's what makes a good a good emergency provider good. And then when you start teaching advanced techniques like starting an IV or putting in a uh, an, a bre what we call a breathing tube or an endotracheal tube. Um, <clears throat> as soon as you teach somebody those things, the first thing they usually do when they go out to a, uh, a response on a call is they immediately go to the new knowledge that they have and they forget all the basics. And the basics are what actually keep people alive. So as far as like parallels are, are concerned between skydiving and, and emergency medicine, it's kind of the same thing, man. You learn those basic things at the beginning of your career and then as you start learning new things, you have an obligation to continue to, to, to do the, the basics well. A uh, good example is, uh, you know, um, uh, head down world record. You know, it's basic, it's basic free fly flying that um, has a little bit more advanced technique, but if you're not doing the basics well, you're not going to be able to do it. And so um, I did that. You know, I, I worked in medicine for a number of years, and over a, a period of 15 years, uh, I was just ready to get out of it. It was, it was tiring. I was done. I was done doing it. I'm going to come back to that last statement. Yep. But plugging holes. I got to <laughs> stick with plugging holes. So plug gunshot wounds. Yes. I've never, like, as you say that, my mind now processes, what the do you do to plug a gunshot wound in the middle of a field in Alaska? The answer, well, I'm saying a gunshot wound in the middle of the field in Alaska, but um, a lot of my training was um, um, combat-related and or uh, a lot of the um, – so when you go through the training, you have to do didactic and like clinical trials type stuff. And so I did uh, a lot of my training in New York. I did a lot of my training in Las Vegas. And in those places, uh, traumas are pretty prevalent. You're going to get a lot of gunshot, like New York, for example, a lot of gunshot wounds, a lot of stabbing, a lot of trauma, a lot of really uh, car accidents, things like that. Um, <coughs> and so when I say plugging holes, I say bullet wounds, but it could be anything from a well, a good example in skydiving is someone crashes into a tree and they get a stick shoved in their chest. I mean, that's just as bad as a, it's a puncture wound. It's just sure. as bad as a gunshot wound. So, um, you just jam cotton in there. Whatever you can do to get the bleeding to stop uh, for the period of time that you're going to have that patient um, down here in the in the lower 48, what Alaskans call the lower 48. <laughs> um, no. You're 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 going to be dealing with the patient for upwards of about 12 minutes. 15 minutes is like usually the typical. Time frame in Alaska, uh, you could be you could be sitting with the patient for five days while the weather is terrible, waiting for a plane to come get you, um, and so it's a little bit more challenging in that aspect. But it, the same things apply, you know, the basics: airway, breathing, circulation. If you can keep those things going, uh, it doesn't matter where you are, or how long you're going to be with that patient, you're going to be uh, more successful than than not. That makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And and back to I only thought you did this for three or four years. Like 
the level of knowledge and the experience you have is way deeper than I thought. Mm. Um, I'd be curious, the most interesting, not necessarily horrifying or entertaining, whatever, the most interesting case or patient oh, man. that you dealt with. Wow, there's a lot. There's a ton. I mean, uh, I would have to average the number of patients that I had a year to around maybe 4,000. And so when you put it in that perspective, oh, man, I don't know. There's a lot. We've, I've delivered babies. Um, we've taken care of gunshot wounds. I've uh, – I don't know. Can I say this on Facebook Live? I had to take care of somebody that had a bowling pin stuck in his <laughs> ass once, yeah. which was <laughs> – uh, an interesting scenario to deal with. I thought we were talking about your professional career, not your personal <laughs> life. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for chiming in there, Nick. Always Good a job. pleasure. My, my pleasure. Good job, Mr. P. Yeah, I mean, uh, you see you see a wide range. I mean, you see a lot of uh, – uh, in Alaska, you see a lot of drug and alcohol abuse. You see a lot of um, – That explains you. That explains me. <laughs> Uh, you see a lot of uh, wilderness-related uh, injuries. You see a lot of exposure, hypothermia, things like that. Um, it's just every patient is unique. Every person is different, and every situation is, is different. So uh, I've definitely run the gambit of crazy things that you see in, in those types of scenarios. I uh, Damn, facts. I had no clue it was that deep. <laughs> So you took us to the That's fact. That's what she said? Yes. <laughs> you quote of the days. Come on, Nick. You're not going to respond to that one? Oh, sorry. I was trying to. Not, I, I enjoyed that very much. Um, yes. It's perfect. totally deep, DJ. <laughs> That's how deep it is. God, see, I, everyone listening to this is getting such a better audio experience. <laughs> with, when you put your mic or to right to your mouth like that, it's, it's beautiful. You're welcome. So uh, going back <laughs> to what you're saying, you didn't realize how deep it was deep, how deep it was. Go. Keep going. He is single, ladies, <laughs> for a very <laughs> good reason. And uh, celibate's not the right word. Women <laughs> just don't talk to him in general. So, Yeah, um, I really am surprised that you had such a long career in medicine and still have yet to see an actual live <laughs> human vagina. <laughs> Actually, I think that's probably the thing that destroyed <laughs> vaginas for me because you do see a lot of very disgusting things that involve all different types of orifices. And I didn't think I'd ever get to see DJ blush as much as he's blushing right now. But, man, he is blushing. And if you could see Nick Lott right now, you would be able to see a vein sticking out of his head from the laughter. Hey, I'm just having a, I'm having a good time over here. Oh, man. All the scarring. <laughs> so you got sick of medicine. Don't, don't worry. Only, only 20 people heard that. It's not a big deal. Uh, so you got sick of medicine apparently because of the JJs, which <laughs> the way you act, it all makes sense. You were sick of vagina. Um, why? What, what brought you to the end of medicine, and where did you go with it? <coughs> so actually, oh uh, it was kind of a natural progress for me because <laughs> you're still crying over there. It was a natural progress for me because uh, working in Alaska, especially uh, at the end when I was doing uh, more remote stuff uh, outside of the main city of Anchorage, which is uh, the largest city in Alaska, um, where you see a lot of the typical stuff you'd see in any city uh, as far as emergency medicine is, is concerned, drug, you know, drugs and gunshot wounds and you know, car accidents, things like that. <coughs> but I, um, I started doing a lot of remote medicine. And which was actually kind of my forte back then, you know, the training that I received 
most training that uh, emergency responders receive are for very short periods of time with patients, and the training that I received was for very long periods of time. So I was trained to go out into areas and um, pick up patients and spend, instead of spending a few minutes with these patients, I was trained to spend hours and then sometimes days with these patients. And so um, I started doing long-term remote medical uh, work in the oil industry um, up in the north slope of Alaska, which is about 300 miles north of the Arctic Circle. Um, there's all kinds of remote type camps, whether it's seismic surveying or uh, remote drilling operations or production facilities that all are part of the oil industry. And I uh, responded to one, um, oh God, the first response I ha ever had to an, an oil rig type scenario, I ended up having to amputate a kid's leg because he got caught in this, uh, it was a long story short, he got caught in this machine. And so uh, after that occurred, I was talking to some of those, those people on the location, and they were talking about how they need to have emergency medical providers on the location. And so um, basically I, I left my job and started working for another company that provided that type of service to those t that type of industry. So I was doing a lot of uh, remote stuff. I'd go out for three, four, five, six weeks at a time out in the middle of nowhere on the tundra, and I'd have my own little medical clinic, and that's where I would be, and I'd be taking care of oil workers and seismic surveying crews and things like that. <coughs> and over a period of time, um, it, the natural progression was, especially on those remote sites, was that um, there wasn't enough room for everybody. You only had a certain number of beds that th for people to sleep in. And so people oftentimes got multiple jobs assigned to them. And one of the jobs that was assigned to me was, uh, was safety. I, I was the you know on-site emergency medical provider, and I was also the safety person. Uh, which is kind of a weird contradiction of terms because uh, as a medical provider, you're cleaning up after an accident happens, and as a safety advisor, you're trying to prevent bad things from happening in the first place. And so um, I started doing more of that, and I, I, I made the transition out of having to clean up after the fact and moved over towards um, trying to prevent things from happening, bad things from happening in the first place, and I got a lot of enjoyment out of that. And so over a period of time, I started doing less of the medical stuff and started doing more of the safety stuff, and that's my next transition uh, as far as careers were concerned. I was working in occupational health and safety, um, specifically designed around you know uh, uh, drilling and completions types operations, oil field type operations, um, heavy construction type operations. So I started doing that, and that's just where I've kind of been, where I've been up until about a year ago. I had been doing that for about 10 years. Okay, that's, that's you took me everywhere I wanted to really figure out. So, mm -hmm. makes a little bit more sense how you got to Chevron. I was, I was curious, wondered how. Yeah. 10 years as occupational? Occupational Health and Safety Advisor okay. was uh, the official title, and I did that for a number of years, both on land base and offshore operations. And then, um, <coughs> basically, I was working for BP on the slope, north slope of Alaska, and I left there and started working for a company called Unical, and Unical got bought by Chevron, and, and that's how I became a, uh, an employee of Chevron. Eventually moving down to Texas, because that's where they wanted me to be. So Texas that's how I got here. Texas got you here. So what got you here? Got you here. So I'm blaming them for this whole scenario right now. If you were never a paramedic, we would never have to put up with you. Correct. Yep. You're 100% correct. That's uh, depressing. 
um, that brought you here, that brought you to Houston, that brought you to Texas, uh-huh. and eventually brought you to skydiving. How yep. long ago did you start jumping? When was your first jump? So actually my first jump was probably in the 90, 96, 97 range. Um, I would consider those to be not I, I consider my skydiving career to have started when I started sport jumping, uh, which was in 2011. I had some okay. non-civilian type skydives prior to that, but um, mostly like static line things like that. Um, that I don't really, I don't really count. Sports skydiving for me started in 2011 when I came to Houston. I was actually initially I was assigned to uh, West Texas out in Midland, and no offense to all you West Texas people, but. For an Alaskan going to West Texas, <laughs> it was a very difficult situation. <laughs> I spent about a year and a half out there, but um, very, very friendly people. wasn't my cup of tea as far as the area was concerned. And after about a year out there, they moved me to uh, to Houston. And the um, I think the the need to get back into it and the the need to progress as far as sports skydiving was concerned was based on the fact that when I came to to Texas, all the things that I loved to do um, I couldn't really do here anymore. Uh, I was a big wall rock climber in the 90s, you know, 10, 10 15 years I did big wall, big wall rock climbing in uh, Yosemite and various places overseas, and uh, you can't really do that down here, and um, I like to do a lot of mountain biking, and in West Texas you can't really do that there, and, and I like to do camping and all this stuff outside, and Texas is awesome, but it's just not, it wasn't my cup of tea as far as all the skiing I love to do, downhill skiing and things like that, mm. well you can't really do that here. But the one thing you can do here, and you can do a lot of here, is skydiving. Tons of skydiving. Tons um, of skydiving. I do. I've got my iPad sent to the side when I put my drink down. I'm also cheating and taking a peek. Uh, Sam Smith. I actually asked Sam Smith to come and join us while she was in town. Maybe sh- next time What's she visits. What's up, Sam? Sam will actually sit rather than sit in front of Jay Vienendahl and get abused to death by Jay. But she's glutton for a punishment. She'd rather get abused by her friends and sit here and make fun of the internet world. So fair enough. Fair enough. So I brought you to skydiving in 2011. Um, yep. Where to, I met you is sports Jacob. Game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and for a while it seemed like you hated the name Jacob, but you're I'm over it. I've never. I don't really care what people call me. Okay. I've I've gone by my middle name for <coughs> a long, long time. When I was with Chevron, I went by my first name just because it was easier for everybody to understand. But I've kind of gone. I've gone by Ben for. Oh, I don't even know. You know, 20 years. DJ, like it's my real name. Yes. Sure. Dick Junkie, is that what that stands for? No. Dr. Dumb Jerk. Jingles? Dumb Jerk. Dumb Jerk. Done. Yes. Got it. Beautiful. DJ, yes. Dumb Jerk. Damn Jap. Don't <laughs> tell my mom that joke because she would punch me. Mom, I'm sorry if you're watching this. I love you. You can make those jokes because you're Japanese, right? No, because my mom will still whoop me for it, dude. She's not a big fan What's of like, the movie Pearl whoop? Harbor. I don't know, but classical. <laughs> my my mom would teach my dad Japanese statements. Who my dad's been married to my mom for forty five years and still speaks almost no Japanese. <laughs> and we lived in Japan for four years, and he, she would teach my dad things to say to my grandmother, and try to be polite and nice. And my dad would go to my mom, my grandmother, for like almost a year. Obachan, which is grandmother, classical, and say it as sweet as possible. My grandmother always looked at him <laughs> like he was an idiot. <laughs> You dirty white man. <laughs> I can't oh. believe you defiled my daughter and created this <laughs> creature that we call. It means I'm going to hit you. <laughs> it means what? I'm going to hit you. So he kept telling my grandmother, Grandma, I'm going to hit you. 
Um, that actually <laughs> makes a lot of sense as to why she didn't like him very much. Yeah. Oh, no, she loved him. She knew what was going on, but she would just <laughs> stare him down. She would just make him feel stupid. Now, was that something your mom was doing on purpose? Was she oh, teaching yeah. him things to say that were wrong just to make him look bad? If you ever met my parents, my sense of humor would make total sense. <laughs> Both of them have a very warped, weird sense Knowing of humor. Knowing you, I couldn't imagine the loins in which <laughs> you sprung from. I really couldn't. My mother's a very wonderful lady. <laughs> She's a sweetheart of a lady. I'm a mama's boy. I still call her mama. Hey, mama, I love you. Mrs. Marvin, if you're listening, we love you. Mrs. Marvin is my wife. Mom is... Mom. Mom. Thank you. <laughs> so my bad. Man, you sidetracked my brain. Mr. P, where were we going? How do you say, mo- how do you say mom in Japanese? <laughs> Okasan. Okasan. Hey, Okasan. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing, Okasan? Yeah. <laughs> we chime in anytime you want, Nick. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm off camera, so I feel a little weird chiming in, you know, because some people are just starting to watch and they're like, "Where's this voice coming from? Who's that, who's that guy?" Oh my god! Um, I think we should start a stopwatch for how much time passes where <laughs> DJ's just laughing too hard to like keep this whole thing going. Ben has uh, definitely got me. Uh, the 15 uh, year old McAllen ain't helping either so yeah that's true no it's just not making a difference the 15 year old uh uh apple juice you got going on there dude it is the best mots you've ever had mots apple juice for the win yeah oh nice. absolutely yeah man even without any ice not even on the rocks no dude it's watered down there was ice i had to water Beautiful. down the mots Beautiful. it's definitely much better so you came 11 years ago you started jumping who did your first tandem 11 years ago no no 2011 <laughs> You've lost my mind. <laughs> uh, who did you who did you do your first tandem with? My first tandem actually uh, was with um, we were just talking about him earlier. Youth Works PD, Kyle Schoonover. Kyle Schoonover. Yeah, he was my first tandem, and I had eleven hundred skydives when I did that first tandem. Okay, because you went through traditional AFF. I did. Uh, okay, I did. I did uh, some military training, and then I did. Uh, by the time I got to Spaceland, civilian-wise, I had, I don't know, nine skydives, like nine sports skydives, and I started the static line progression. Okay. And so by the time I got to Spaceland, I think I had um, sports skydiving. I think I had like, I don't know, three or four or five-second delays. So I never, did a, I never did a tandem. Okay. They just started me off at the right level, and then I went through SPP, finished SPP, and then um, – I went on a tandem with Kyle Schoonover because he needed to keep his current uh, his braiding current, and I was the front ride for that. And let me tell you, that was creepy. Being in a harness, like being in the harness itself, feels a lot like being in a parachute. And so you're like, oh, okay, this is great. And then you get on the plane, and that second that you like lean back and you realize you don't have a parachute on, you're like, oh, this is totally uncomfortable. You feel naked. You feel very naked. Yeah. And then it doesn't feel any more better to sit on a dude's lap and while well, he hooks himself up to you and Kyle especially because well you know we all know Kyle and the so mohawk tickles the mohawk tickles very much uh so yeah that was my first tandem and uh I didn't enjoy it not because he didn't do a good job but because I was I did not have I didn't feel like I had the control that I was used to having when I became a tandem examiner I was told uh you don't have to do the front rides uh, do a handful of them, get used to the job, understand it so you can train and brief people better. And my first tandem was 700 jumps to get my rating. Same idea as yell at the skydiver. And it just, man, right in the front of people. Hell no, I'm not in control. 
and and that whole lack of control, lack of understanding was a big deal. And after about 20, 25 front rides, I actually started understanding the difference. You yeah. can reach every handle from the front. You yep. can throw the drogue. You can pull the drogue release. You can reach all the handles. The only thing you can't do is reach the flare toggles. But I can take enough wraps to make it work. Yeah. So I can. You're smart enough at that point, and you have enough knowledge to know what you need to do. I don't know if I'm Maybe smart enough. enough yeah, yeah. I, I'm experienced enough. Smart's not the right word. Stop looking at your watch. No, it buzzes every time. So we've got this new system at Spaceland where every time someone comes and goes, it buzzes my watch and tells them when they that who just came and went. And so I just got a message saying that. Let me see who it was. So at 7:40 at night, somebody. 7:40 at night, I was just told that. Um, oh, Dan Lane, you just left. Thanks for putting in the extra hours, Dan Lane. I appreciate so it. How does it tell you that? Now I just feel like I'm being spied upon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Liz uh, Sass left 29 minutes ago, just so everybody knows. And let's see, who else? Oh, there's been a few. How do you know this? It's yeah. all telling it me on my watch right now. Yeah, but uh, yeah. where is your watch getting this information? Big brother. From Jesus. Uh, Matt Bessonette is not here. Where are you? What? Seriously, how does this work? Because... So uh, they were part of a kind of a little trial that we were doing where we have an app that they download and they become a member of this like group. And then since it's on their phone, every time they enter a certain area that's uh, predetermined on a map, it says so-and-so is logged in or so-and-so is logged out. So And then I have my Apple Watch hooked up to my phone. So every time someone comes and goes from Space Nine Houston, I know about it, which is weird. Uh, and I know right now that uh, Nick Lott is not at Spaceland, not because it's not on my watch, but because he's right there. Well, so I'm just going to leave my phone there all the time and look real good. You <laughs> are definitely putting in the extra hours, my friend. So none of us are being tracked unless we're on that app, unless we agree yeah, to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. So you're unless not you're part of the trial, then I, then I don't know where you are. I've been on trial. I mean, I know where you are right now currently, yes. Now Mentally, I don't know where you're at, but physically, I know you're right here across from me. Mentally, it's a far cry from, from reality. <laughs> So front rides, man, they are nerve-wracking. I actually uh, – Very nerve-wracking, yeah. I did t Kyle's tandem rating, and besides my first 10, 15 tandem front rides, my most nervous one ever was with Kyle. Really? Not, yeah, not because he was bad. Actually, Kyle Schoonover is phenomenal. He did a great job. It's because Kyle, uh, Kyle was, one of the f was the first person I could trust to keep my eyes closed an entire skydive. Really? So we were sitting on the bench. Before we got up, I told him, I'm going to close my eyes and then give you a thumbs up, you can let me stand up. I had audibles in my ear. Um, there was an inversion layer right at pull altitude. Hopefully that didn't change, but I knew where that was. And went out, I mean, it's his ninth tandem. It's his, it's his ninth one in the course. So at this point, he's cleared to jump 100 jump wonders. He's just yeah. taken me. And the only way I could keep it done is, is I counted the entire time. I counted seconds. I got to 60 seconds, felt that layer. Um, he pulled all at the same time. We were almost right on point with each other. And uh, after the parachute opened, opened my eyes. And one of the most memorable skydives I've ever made, man, a, a wow. blind skydive. Really freaking weird. That's a lot of trust. Kyle, you know the man. Yeah. No, I do. I, I would, uh, just based on what I remember from the front ride that I did to help keep him current, it was, he was totally legit. Yeah. Yeah, the dude excels at everything. He is, he is one of the very few candidates who's ever understood a secret of mine, which now will not be a secret. Huh. DJ, how are you doing? I'm feeling Olympic. Ever notice in rating courses I say I'm feeling Olympic? I do. I never knew what that meant, though. So it started with a buddy of mine, Robert Clark, who Olympic means I feel like a champion. I feel like I can okay. own a gold medal today. Be a champion every day. Perform like a champion every day. Um, as an examiner, it turned into I'm feeling Olympic. What do Olympic people do? 
run, swim, flip. Uh, I see. <laughs> so on tandem front rides on ASF so courses. So actually what that means to a student when you say you're feeling Olympic is that they're going to go for a ride. Yeah. Any Excellent. candidate who paid attention and ever noticed this statement, which there's only 25 of you watching, so <laughs> I'm not giving away a huge <laughs> secret at this point. If I say I'm feeling Olympic on this skydive, put on your seatbelt. We're going somewhere. So or you're going to get a gold, gold medal at the end. Oh, dude, um, I only give it to them when they're ready. I only do those moves when That's they're capable. Yeah, when they're capable of it. So y I don't always give take them on rides. They usually yeah. do good. So your first tandem was with Kyle at eleven hundred jumps, but yeah. you got here with a handful of sport jumps. Yep. You had done four or five second delays. Mm -hmm. So we probably plugged you in somewhere around level four and five. Yep, that's basically that. Uh, yeah. I got here on June first of two thousand eleven, and um, I was with Lynn Lee Drozek, who was uh, one of your. I think I was one of her first students out of your course. You were one of her first students. She graduated the course, and uh, one of the reasons she got you is we actually thought you were smart enough and talented enough to give to a rookie, a freshly minted instructor, who did a great job in the course. Yeah. But let's give the rookie something nice. Let's not break him in hard. Yeah. Even even back in the you know, even looking at back at those jumps now with the knowledge and experience I have, she did a really fantastic job. Dude, um, if, any she's, if she's listening, you did a good job, Lindley. I hope she is. If, if nobody got to know Lindley Drozek, she is a unicorn. She's unique. She's different. She's wonderful, loving, kind. Um, I think one of the things I liked most about Lindley was that she, um, she treated me like a, a, a licensed skydiver before I was a licensed skydiver. Uh, she didn't, you know, that it's it's hard when you're when you teach, and I've taught in in various different aspects of my life not just in skydiving but uh i was telling you earlier i taught a lot of medical stuff mm -hmm. as well it's hard not it's hard to not talk down to people it's hard to talk to people and uh, she did a very good job of making me feel like i was a skydiver before i was licensed and talking to me in a very practical type manner that made me feel like i was a part of the process and not just a you're going to tell me what to do and i'm going to go out and do it and all right now let me tell you what to do next it was definitely more of a what did you feel about that? And uh, what do you think you can do better? And and um, I really appreciated the fact that she communicated with me even outside of the drop zone. It was nice to receive a text from her on a Tuesday and be like, hey, the sky the sky's going to be perfect tomorrow. You should figure out a way to come out and do some skydives. And I would, and I'd knock out a bunch of skydives. And it was it was a good time. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the training process uh, going through with her back in the day. It's always good to hear. Um, as you mentioned, I got the trainer as an instructor. You've actually worked in some of my rating courses mm -hmm. as a videographer and also evaluator. And, of course, I, I also trained you. And the thing you know, I'm, I'm really I, – I, I could care less about you and me. I've met both of us. The students we train tomorrow are who it's all about for me. Yeah. Um, it's about the future of our sport. And one of the things I like about Spaceman, it's the skydiver training program. Those of us who see STP – Sometimes we'll call it student training program, but yeah. it's skydiver. Mm -hmm. And if you go through any rating course with me, I tell you, we're not training students. We're training skydivers. Yeah. Train them for the habits they'll need for years to come. Train them for the mindset. You know, uh, release jumps. When you let go of your student, teach your student. We're doing a skydive where you're flying your slot. Yeah. They'll understand it more by saying flying your slot. They'll feel part of the skydive, the fun jumper. And it's good to hear that, that Lynn, I'm not shocked. Lindley did a wonderful job. Uh, we called her 76 because uh, what do you call the doctor who graduated, the guy who graduated last in med school? A doctor. Doctor, yep. Um, <laughs> she didn't graduate last, but she passed the course by every last bit she could and powered through it. And, and I was well, so One of her first students, I would say that she definitely uh, 
the stuff that she taught me still <coughs> sticks with me today. She did a fantastic job. It says a lot, man. It, it's uh, good, good for her and good for you. So how? And I think I think it also says a lot about you know the the Spaceland program in general. I, I've seen a, as a more experienced skydiver in the recent years. You know, I, I get to travel a lot and see some of the other training programs that are out there. And I, I'll be honest. I think I think the Skydive Spaceland's training program is is bar none uh, the best in the industry for a reason. And and part of that reason is the uh, the mentality that you were talking about earlier, the making us feel like skydivers and not, you know, we're students, obviously, sure. we're training, but to bringing us into the fold and, and giving us as much knowledge. I've, I've actually uh, had a, f a few people recently contact me from other drop zones telling me how great um, the recent graduates from our SDP program are having left the training at Spaceland and gone to their drop zone saying uh, what a great job they're doing as young skydivers because of what they learned uh, in our program. So shameless plug for Skydive Spaceland's SDP program. Dude, I, I came to Spaceland uh, in 05. We rented a plane at Skydive Greensburg in Greensburg, Indiana, and we leased a plane from Steve Boyd for the summer. And in the winters, I had four m months off. I did 1,000 jumps in eight months. I partied like I was Charlie Sheen in the winters. <laughs> um, not wow, that's a lot of partying. <laughs> not necessarily. Were you drinking Tiger's blood and? <laughs> yeah, no, but banging yeah. porn stars. My yeah, hands had a lot to do with me. Um, I was dating Valerie at the time pa as well. Pamela Henderson. <laughs> yeah. Good um, for you. Good but for you. we'd have a good time, and, and my DZO says, "Hey, man, why don't you go up to to Texas? Why don't you go down to Texas?" For the winter, they, they need winter help and just go hang out for a winter. And and I showed up and I had an option actually that winter of three places to go. And all three were phenomenal options. Um, I really was interested in, in two of them for very, very personal reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, one was a personal relationship with the DZO and his family and I really wanted to be part of, of that. And they're still good friends. And the other one was a location and, and uh, just didn't want to pass that up. But the student program. When Spaceland first opened up, I heard about the student program. Training's been my background. Um, I've been an instructor in various industries for years, and I was always interested in their pro program. So I, I came here specifically for the SDP program and nice. got lucky I got to get involved. So That's awesome. Um, what was the other drop zone, just out of curiosity? Um, one of them was mm, Bill Jones' drop zone. Ah, yes. Yeah, Alaska. Yep. And he opens up a winter drop zone in um, Arizona. Oh, yeah. Over the winter. Nice. And that was very interesting to me because Sherry Jones and mm -hmm. Shelly, uh, well, Sherry Jasmine Fallon, Shelly Jones owned Firefly. And I've known those both since 98. Nice. Good friends, longtime supporter of mine. I'm a longtime supporter of theirs. Mm -hmm. um, so really just working with the Jones family, they're, they're really entrenched in the sport. Yeah. Um, Katie Russell, you know our packer, yeah. Katie Russell? Yep. You know she's family. She's a she's yeah, Marty Jones' daughter. I, I learned that. Um, last year when I went to the Boogie in Alaska, which was a revival boogie. They hadn't done it in about a decade. Uh, and it was the Joneses that originally had done it. So mm -hmm. to be able to go back and do that, and then I was talking to Katie Russell, and she was saying, oh, yeah, it's my my grandparents. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's such, such it's a, a small sport. Yeah. Small sport. Yeah. It's small sport. Small, small sport. So Spaceland, you came here. You went through a student program. Mm -hmm. um, I see guys who go through the student program in two years. And, I mean, I, I actually respect them the most because you have the ability to stick with it. You have the drive, the desire, the goals. So you didn't have the money, the time, the resources, whatever it is, to finish a program in a short time. But two years, man, a skydiver isn't made by a number of jumps. A skydiver is made by the guy who fails a level and gets back up on the horse and jumps again. True. 
to me, people who fail at the sport and continue on, people who, who, who lag and take their time and, and have to get it done, those are for sure skydivers. Mm -hmm. The other ones aren't always not skydivers, but that doesn't prove it to me that you can do eight jumps in a day. Yeah. Um, some guys, I actually saw one student, one guy do 13 jumps one day and 12 jumps the second day. It is the fastest we've ever put in a license through space landing. Yep. Uh, we had a week of bad weather. We did all his ground training during that week. We did all of his extracurricular stuff. Mm -hmm. So all he needed to do was land, debrief me, tell me the next dive flow. He would memorize it while I was finishing packing, come, we'd brief, walk, and we'd go. The guy ripped it up. Um, how long did it take you to do yours? Oh, man. I think uh, from June, from the time I got there, June 1st, I think I was dive flow three or four. And I had my A license by uh, July second. A month. It was it was a basically a month, and it was <coughs> a m it was a month of maybe uh, I don't know how many actual days I was at the drop zone. Probably seven days. Okay. Seven days total over that period of that month because weather and you know during sure. the week versus weekends and things like that. Yeah. yeah. I remember you appearing out of nowhere, mm -hmm. and immediately becoming somebody we couldn't ignore. I don't know what that means. Was I that bad? Is that what you're saying? Nick Lott, was I that bad? Oh, I was going to say that you were obnoxious, but that was <laughs> just a joke. You showed up in 2011? Because uh -huh. I, I didn't show up until 2012. Yeah, so it was about a year after I got there. Okay. Because yeah. I, I still, when Basically I... Basically, the drop zone wasn't sexy until about 2012 is what I'm getting out yeah, of this conversation. Yeah, I was bringing sexy back. Yeah. That's what I had. That was my role. You and, you and uh, Justin Timberlake. And Lululemon. And Lululemon. Just because you checked out my butt once or twice, it's all right. Daily, <laughs> on a day, on a, on a regular. He's the one wearing the the jeggings all the time. I do not own jeggings. You own them and sir. you wear them and then you love them I and I love them. I wear women's leggings from the women's section. Okay, <laughs> that's how comfortable I am with my man. Well, to give to give you an idea of how small my mom is, she has to shop in the uh, little girl section at the. Uh, Actually, at the that's where Nick shops as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fair enough. I'm wearing. Uh, pants right now from the little boys <laughs> department of Academy Sports. I'll have you know, little boys Adidas pants. You extra large, are you wearing some? Amazing. <laughs> you wearing some hush puppy shoes by chance? Maybe. Um, no, I don't know what that is. Oh my! Well, that shows how old I am. <laughs> yes, it does. Everyone just ignore that last comment. Hey, just because you guys are on the uh, topic of of learning to skydive, we had one uh, comment here that I uh, think would be fun to talk about. Chris Kristoff, do you remember him? Yeah. Uh, Chris Kristoff said, I've, I have right around 200 jumps. I've been on what is almost a two-year hiatus. Any suggestions or tips on getting back into it? Any problems or issues you've seen someone in the same shoes? Um, first and foremost, go to a drop zone and just do it. Um, what started this podcast was somebody saying, forget all these technical things. Get a friend, get a mic, get a camera, and just do it. And, and that's what we did. And for skydiving... I can't think of any better way. Uh, come back to Spaceland. Come back and visit us. We'll get you in the sky. And if you're at a good drop zone, everything will take care of itself. Um, that being said, go back through your old student manual. Uh, get a SIM, Skydiver's Information Manual from USPA. You can download it from USPA.org as a PDF. Um, the phone, sometimes the apps are available, sometimes they're not. It's in a constant state of flux as they're changing versions and editions. Um, you can purchase, purchase it through USPA.org as well. Um, study section 5-1, yes, I'm a nerd, um, and, and it's emergency procedures. Study and know your emergency procedures. If anything else, study that. The rest will come back quickly and naturally. Um, so for the technical part, there's that. For the fun part. Uh, what I was going to say was basically along those same lines. Uh, 
in regards to, uh, I think we focus so much on the flying aspect of skydiving. And to be completely honest, the flying aspect's only about 10% of the skydive. It's really the planning, the planning stuff that we have to worry about, you know, which direction is jump run and what's ground speed going to be, how much, ex uh, how much exit separation do I got to give. The flying part will come as you do more skydive, so currency is, is, uh, is key. As far as what he's asking, I would my advice would be to uh, review all of those types of things uh, before you get back into full-time skydiving. Um, the flying part will come naturally as you stay current, and you need to be current. Currency is, is what keeps people alive, I think, in my opinion. But um, go back and look at all those other things that you um, that that people tend to stop focusing on as soon as they get out of a uh, AFF or SDP. Um, those are the things that keep you alive uh, at the end of the day. The the flying part will come. It's uh, get out and do it. It, it really is. Yeah. Um, I remember the name Chris Kristoff. I want to say it's with K's. Uh, no, it's with C's. I, I think you'd you'd definitely recognize his picture. If I, you I, I failed. Yeah. I fun. failed. Um, I remember him. Come out to Safety Day, uh, March 11th, and that's actually the reason I'm using this banner behind us tonight, is number one, I have not got all my foam and sound insulation in for this drywall tiled room that's echoey as <laughs> poop. Um, so it's partially a backdrop, but Safety Day is March 11th. Um, the Rating Center is hosting, shameless plug now, uh, the Rating Center is hosting Safety Day at Skydive Spaceland Houston and Skydive Spaceland Dallas. Uh, we're going to cover all sorts of topics, aircraft safety, equipment safety, etc. Um, about 30 to 40 minute seminars each, and every seminar will be actually broadcast on Facebook Live. Um, ben Nelson is my camera operator for that one. I don't know if you realize how long. It's going to be mostly selfies. Sweet. Um, it'll be better than aiming the camera at, at Hank. That's true. <laughs> so or Matt Peterson, for that matter. Yeah. Matt. Um, if you watch Matt Peterson's version of Facebook Live of the Reserve Repack, we actually have a wireless mic to put on the presenter now. So uh, we're trying to up the audio value of everything. Um, check out Safety Day, whether you do it on Facebook Live, um, whether you come to the DZ. The DZ is the best way to get the interaction. Come hang out and do that thing. I think technology is so amazing. I mean, to be able to not be at the drop zone and still participate in these activities is awesome. My recommendation, though, is definitely to be at the drop zone because um, it's the from what I've been seeing lately, it's the conversations that happen after the presentations that you get a lot of really substance uh, yeah. substantive type comments. We're giving away free shirts and free buffs. Oh, also you're getting free shirts. So, so you can't that. get free stuff just by sitting on Facebook. Um, but no, the, the biggest conversations happen after the fact. Uh, we have the hanging harness open. We have emergency procedures. Excuse me. We have uh, emergency procedures, so we'll have everything manned all day long. Uh, John Cheeseman is going to be manning a gear check station with three nice. different rigs. Nice. Two rigs as a pre-flight on the ground and one rig on a jumper wearing it, so you can do two different types. Last year, nobody got 100%. Wow. Nobody. Pecker, shout out to uh, Pecker, actually had all but one, and I will give the man credit. He couldn't see it because he wasn't wearing his reading glasses, and it was a broken thread on the rigger seal. Oh, wow. So, um, I mean, Pecker is super safe. I, I, I'm really So the moral of the story is that Pecker needs to start wearing his glasses when he's got <laughs> That's when what he, I got out of this whole he's story. he's reading his altimeter. If it's far <laughs> away, he can see it. If it's close. I thought it said six. It might have said one. I don't know. Pecker's the old guy who wears a frap hat with GoPros. <laughs> I love Pecker. Dude, he's, he's phenomenal, man. Um, his mind for safety and, and his ability to evolve in the sport is phenomenal. I, I hope I have his time in the sport one day. 
but also the ability to. Uh, the only thing he doesn't evolve is that crap hat. But other than and his that, glasses and his glasses, uh, he, I hope he, he does evolve for us. <laughs> um, safety day, totally. Thanks, thanks for hijacking the yeah, conversation. Yeah, no problem. You're good. <laughs> um, you 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 showed up out of nowhere. You stood out right away. That's kind of where we were at. Um, I can't believe I have the ability to remember these things. <laughs> uh, Mr. P, beer assistant, is that what we're looking uh, at? Yeah, actually, we've had a number of people comment uh, concerned about Ben's beer intake, that it hasn't been uh, nearly enough. Would you like another, sir? I would love another one. <laughs> Thank you for another one, Nick. Um, am, so I not, am I not, like, loose and happy enough? Am I not smiling enough for you? Is this not the show you all came to watch? Justin Maudlin... Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> Justin Maudlin actually uh, mentioned, like, I can't wait to see Ben smile. I've never seen the man smile. There's people at the DZ who's actually said, I've never seen you smile. And while Nick's grabbing that, that beer for you, actually, speaking of Justin, I, I've got to mention him and Susan Hickman. Oh, uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, Justin and Susan Hickman know I'm doing this. They help by providing a lot of audio equipment for me. Nice. Let me try various types of microphones, various stands. So for people that don't know them, they are also very talented musicians. Oh, I'm going to get to that. Oh, you're getting there. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So they provided everything for me, um, and, and, and they got all that. And through all the testing, I was able to buy my own. So the, these are all mics and, and mixers and everything that, that actually I own now. And without Justin and without Susan – I don't think I would understand and be able to do this a as easily. And, and really, awesome. the biggest reason I want to mention them is, A, thank you, thank you, thank you. But you uh, were about to say, Justin and Susan, most particularly Justin, I haven't seen this thing, so I don't know. Susan Hickman is a phenomenal oh, singer. Um, if you've never heard Susan Hickman sing, look up Susan Hickman on Facebook. Search her name and go to her fan page. You can like her as a friend. And sorry, Susan, I just got you 20,000 friend requests. Uh, but <laughs> go to her Facebook page. I don't know. 20,000 is quite no, a number no, you got. We have, what, um, a few people listening. And um, I'm actually going to have to ask Nick to see if we're still broadcasting right now. So, Nick, if you want to check the feed, um, my feed here broke. But is the feed on the camera still rolling? No matter what, we're still recording. So this will upload. Okay, cool, man. It's just my, my, my iPad. Um, Susan Hickman, um, go check out her fan page and listen to her sing. Uh, wait, nope. No, I see a loading. Um, check the camera and see what it says on the camera as far as the screen goes. Hopefully it's, it's just my imagination. Um, or, or it's just our, our reception. Um, is it off? Oh, Hey, so right now I'm going to have Nick hit the pause button on the recording thingy. Oh, and you, uh, you're not, you can you can ask nicely. Uh, Mr. P, pause the recording. And cue pause. So, sorry about that. Um, Are we back yet? I think we're back. I think Facebook is back on. Um, and we're back. Be patient with Are me. We? Are we really I back? I created a checklist, Ben, that is supposed to tell us what we're doing, what I'm doing. Turn on the Wi-Fi on my phone. I didn't do that last time, so the video quality was a little potato. You saw that? Okay. Um, it looks like the video quality is a lot better. Mr. P, is that true? 
Uh, the the audio was much better. The, the uh, video I didn't get to see the first time because I was sitting in that chair the whole time. I'm, but, I'm actually uh, sitting here right it, now. It looks pretty clear. I can see uh, Ben Nelson's beautiful smile. I'm also like hitting all kinds of like like buttons right now. It's there's little things popping up. You got oh that man. strong social media game, Ben Nelson. I um, d- that you do. I've been trying. I've been trying so hard. Yeah. So add to the list that I actually need to uh, remember to turn on the power supply of the phone. I had the phone actually plugged in. I had the phone plugged in to power so it wouldn't so die. So that small intermission was a b- uh, DJ's fault, by the way. Dude, the Asian dude failed at technology. <laughs> That's what happened. I just want to make a note while I got everybody here. That Kettle brand potato chips <laughs> makes a maple bacon chip, which is pretty phenomenal. Korean barbecue by the same company, phenomenal. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because of my eyes. Um, so what I was saying before we actually took our, our break, our forced break, mm-hmm. is Susan Hickman. Go to Susan Hickman's Facebook page. Yes. Susan Hickman's Facebook page. Watch videos of this lady sing. Um, when I first saw her sing on Facebook, I told Justin I'll do whatever I need to do to take him out of the picture to have a chance with that <laughs> voice. Um, Susan Hickman has actually won the Female Artist of the Year for Texas CMA Country Music Awards. Yes. Um, I probably said all those letters in the wrong order, but I got the right idea. <laughs> um, one of my favorite songs that a woman can do powerfully is Jolene. Um, and, and I'm very ashamed to say that I love a Miley Cyrus song, but Miley Cyrus covered Jolene. and. Oh, my God, powerful. Uh, Susan Hickman does a wonderful job of that. She sings a bunch of other songs. Go check it out. Um, SusanHickman.com, um, I think, is actually think so, something yeah. like that. Her, her, but her, her website. Besides being very talented, she's very pretty, which makes us wonder how she's with Justin. But we're going to let that slide for now. Yep. Justin wears tight jeans, and I understand. Mm. Um, no, wait a minute. That's <laughs> the wrong <laughs> answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Susan, I actually do plan on having Susan on this on this little podcast awesome. live chat thing one night, one day. Um, the idea of getting to know you and I as jumpers is super interesting. Getting to know the background, and, and that's where we're about to get into you, of skydiving is interesting. But I want other new jumpers to understand that everybody came from somewhere. I think that's the I think that's the most interesting thing is, uh, you know, as far as skydivers are concerned, I think I've met people from all walks of life. I've, I mean, it's just so odd. To be in a situation where you're in a sport where you have uh, everyone is almost almost every different person is represented. A cabinet maker is a better skydiver than a lawyer. You know, absolutely, w- we have that. Um, Most a janitor lawyers. is a better skydiver than a doctor. What do you call skydiving lawyers? Skeet. Uh, it not that kind. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, um, but we, you're right. We all come from somewhere. Yeah, I plan on having Susan on just because that fresh new jumper perspective. She's much prettier to look at than you, and uh, well actually she agreed debatable. to bring her guitar and jam on a couple oh, songs. Oh, well, then that's totally worth it. Yeah, so uh, check out Susan. Nice. Um, sorry again about the interruption. We're back. We're good to go. Um, you did your jumps in a month. Yeah, but basically it was about a month. And, and then back to that's what you stuck out right away, and, and the biggest part is, is you were actually friendly back in those days. You smiled <laughs> a lot more back in those days. Actually, that's not entirely accurate if matt peterson is on right now listening he will be the first one to tell you that he started a very very bad rumor about me actually it's not a terrible rumor but it wasn't a true rumor that i was a cop and the reason that he kept telling everybody i was a cop (laughs) is because i would come out and i just wouldn't really talk to anybody and his thought was that i was an undercover cop trying to bust skydivers who were doing less than legal type 
thing. I actually forgot, but now remember Ben yes. Nelson's a cop. Um, that was a campaign going amongst the staff, yes. and yeah, Matthew pushed us to push he that. He definitely was the one that instigated that. Yeah, but you smiled. That was the point. You actually used to have fun at the DZ. I was. It was more like a grimace, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I, really I have fun. You know what? I'll be honest. I have fun at the D, D, the DZ now too. No matter what, yeah. The first time I got to get to know you is the first time I got to get to know the majority of licensed skydivers, and that was during your canopy course. Yep. You took your canopy course. I'm going to guess, so you graduated in July, in July or uh, August. I think I had 36 skydives. Yeah. Or 36 sports skydives, yep. Yeah. Super Green. Do you happen to remember who was in that class with you? Brian Roy, myself, and those were the only two because Brian, Brian Roy and I are friends. Yeah. And the other people that like we're friends now, and the other people in the class I don't really remember because they I don't think they really stuck around much in skydiving after that. Yeah, my it's it's a shame to say, but a lot of them don't. Yeah, a lot of them get through that point and, and they're a little bit lost. I think the mentor program helps now mm -hmm. because the mentor program uh, takes people up to a hundred jumps, and and by that time you've made the friends and the extra connections you want. Yep. Um, when I first met you, you were as what behind the air as possible. You were trying to figure out what the word skydive actually meant, buying rigs, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, definitely. Um, you chose to free fly. Mm -hmm. I did. When did you start free flying? Oh, man. I think, um, sadly enough, I want to say the first 200 skydives I did uh, were solos. Uh, and I think the majority of that was I didn't I, – I felt like I wasn't good enough that – I didn't want to screw up other people's skydives. I didn't want to put other people at risk, and so I felt like it was a good idea for me to be to do solo stuff. Looking back, I wish that I had spent those first 200 to 300 skydives um, either going with a coach or going with someone that has more experience than me. I mentioned Brian Wright earlier. He had mm -hmm. much more experience than me, and actually he was I – would I would say that he's the guy that really taught me how to sit fly uh, back in the day. But wow. there was a period of time – yeah, I know. <laughs> there was a period of time prior, you know, about about uh, a license to about 200, 250 skydives that I, I did a lot of solos. And I think most of it was just because I didn't want to I didn't feel like I was going to add to the skydive and I didn't want to I didn't want to take away from other people's skydives. So before we go too far about you, I, I people have got to hear this and people have got to understand this. Donner party of one. Donner Party of One. We actually have on Safety Day, the Free Fall Seminar has a slide titled Donner Party of One. Mm -hmm. You've actually provided the picture of that, and it's a picture of Guru flying by himself. Yeah. Obviously, with somebody because you took the picture. <laughs> um, but I couldn't fit But I was only there to get directions on how to get away from there. <laughs> I, I uh, couldn't find a better fitting person than Guru for Donner. <laughs> um, but Donner Party of One, man, uh, Free Fly solos are a horrible idea. They're a dangerous idea. Terrible. Absolutely terrible ideas. To why? Well, I, I agree, but why did why do I they think make for that? the like, there's so many things that are different um, when you start to free fly. That when I get a when I get someone that comes to me and they're like, "Hey, I want to learn how to free fly," my response to can you coach me? And I, my response to them is, "Yes, I would love to, but let's sit down and spend some time on the ground discussing a lot of these things that you don't know." Because at the end of the day, I mentioned earlier, the flying is probably 10% of the skydive. The planning portion of the skydive, you know, all the other things outside of the flying part is the most important part because that's when you're planning in the safety, the, the, all this, the stuff you're going to do to stay safe. And if you don't understand the differences between belly flying and free flying, you're not able to plan a safe skydive to the point where you could go out and even do a solo by yourself without really understanding the risks that you're creating. So when I take someone that wants to learn how to free fly uh, for the first time, 
I spend I spend a good four or five hours on the ground with them discussing nice. all of the differences that they're experiencing. A good example would be, you know, when you belly fly, you're kind of the one of the first people out of the airplane. Well, when you free fly, you're one of the last people out of the airplane. And what kind of implications does that have in regards to things like the spot, um, how well you're going to make it back to the drop zone, even things like um, how many other canopies are going to be in the air in front of you that you're not used to having because you're usually first out of the airplane. Uh, we have conversations about things like, you know, in, s in free flying, you have all this vertical speed that you can translate into horizontal movement uh, much better than you can belly flying. And uh, for the most part, not all belly flyers, apparently. But um, uh, but what that means for you is if, if you are new to free flying, you're moving all around the sky. And what can you do to to uh, to not be in a position where you're putting yourself or others at risk? Turning 90 degrees off jump land is a good example of, of how you can do that. But these are all little tiny factors that people don't even know exist. And it's, uh, it's their risk factors that if you don't know the risk factors exist, then how are you supposed to mitigate those risks? And there's a, there's a, in my opinion, there's a misguided or misconception that people have coming out of the training program. They, they miss, uh, they think that their, their flying is a lot better than it actually is coming, getting their A license. And they, there's a feeling that they know everything that they need to know getting their A license. Um, and I think most of that has to do with the fact that our instructors are so good, right? Sure. Our, ins our instructors do such a good job of, of making up for maybe not or sloppy flying or not quite as good flying that uh, the student could have. And so they come out of it with this misconception that they're a lot better than they are or that they know a lot more than they do. Yeah. But uh, in reality, it's a lot like uh, in Alaska, we have a saying, you know, if you get your driver's license in the summer, then you shouldn't be driving in the winter. <laughs> and, and the reason we say that is because, you know, when you're 16 years old and you get your driver's license in the summer in Alaska, everything's great. The weather conditions yeah. are perfect. But the first snowfall you get in Anchorage, we usually have 300 traffic accidents. And why is that? Well, you're, you're driving a, in a condition that you may have proven that you're safe enough to drive on the road, but here's an, here's an extra risk that you didn't take into consideration, and now there's a problem. And so a lot of that uh, in regards to free flying is, is basically the same. It's, um, there's a lot of risks that you don't know you're taking, and simply getting out uh, in a normal belly slot as a solo and practicing your free flying is uh, you're putting other people at risk be beyond just yourself. The idea of having to pull higher. Heath Richardson and I were the eighth group out as a two-way free fly group, which makes me tell all the solo belly guys, shake hands and make friends and do two and three ways. For real, let's be homies and hang out. Um, but being eighth out, we actually decided up our pull altitude to 5,500 feet. And yeah. that's something I see people land off regularly. I've landed off twice in 11 years at Spaceland. Once was on the back of the tandem, and that was my fault. And once was on the front of the tandem. And it could have been my fault, but we're training and we let them figure out what they figure out on their own. And... and um, it was with, with a good friend who I trusted, and she did a great job landing me, so it was all good. Uh, Susan, Susan Brooks. Okay. Um, and she did a good job landing me, so uh, I've landed off twice, and it's partially because we decided to pull high. We decided to act high. We decided to actually be high. Yeah, we changed the, uh, the conditions in which we're operating based on the changing environment around us. Yeah. And then, of course, the other thing is back to you're moving around. You, you have no clue you're moving. Yeah. You know, the speeds I backslide at on my belly um, can be fast, but the unintentional backsliding, typically it's not that fast. Uh, unintentional backsliding on a sit-fly group, a buddy of mine, Nathan Blood, uh, and his then-wife, Don Blood, we were actually doing a three-way free-fly jump, and Don was base, and she was backsliding the whole time. And we chased her. That, that's our fault. That's our bad. We chased her. 
And as we go to break off, I see right below me, Trent, Stevie, I don't remember who else, like a four or five way below us. And I'm, I see him, and two of the three of us saw him and pitched and got out of the way. And still, bad place to be, but no big deal. The other one actually pitched at her normal altitude. Uh, nothing bad happened. Yeah. But we ev- even as highly experienced jumpers, we do it without knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, fly with a group. The, the things that you said there make a lot of sense, but the thing that I want people to take away as well is find a coach. Yes, um, And find a good coach. I, I know so many buddies who are good friends, and, and as a person, I love them. As a coach, um, you have no business coaching people. I see new jumpers with 100 jumps trying to coach people. I see people with 50 sit fly jumps trying to coach people. And, and I'm sorry, no offense to those folks. Again, you're wonderful people. But, you know, somebody in third grade shouldn't tutor somebody in first yeah. grade. And that's what they're doing. I remember, uh, I remember very specifically, I was one of those people that got my coach rating. You know, you, to get your coach rating, what do you need, 100 skydives? 100 skydives. We recommend yeah. 200 to be smart. There's a recommendation of that, but yeah. But I think I got my coach rating at 120 skydives. And I recognized very quickly uh, when I got after I got my coach rating that just because I had a coach rating didn't mean I should be coaching everybody on anything. I definitely, you know, I definitely, there were things, aspects of skydiving that I definitely should not be coaching people on at 100 and I think I had 20, 120 skydives. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to try and coach somebody on canopy skills. My canopy skills were not even remotely close to a point where I needed to be um, telling others how they needed to do their business. But I think uh, I think you're accurate in the sense that um, um, they're I don't know if it's people want to grow up too fast or if maybe people don't understand in some cases that um, that simply having a, lo- a, a, a relatively decent number of skydives doesn't mean that you are capable of being a good coach or, or being a good mentor, yeah. I guess, is the best way of describing that. Some of the best in the world at what they do can't teach. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, back to your skill level doesn't always dictate you being a good teacher. And, and in most cases, if you're not good at what you do, you definitely can't teach it. Yeah. Um, folks, get, get a good coach. Find somebody who does it. And, and something, a, a topic and total rabbit trail now is you talk about when you got your coach rating, you didn't or at least you realize you weren't truly ready to be the coach you could be. I don't think I did any actual coach jumps for about two years after I got my coach rating, yeah. other than keeping my coach rating current. Sure. Um, and I think most of that was just because I realized very quickly that I wasn't really at the point where I I, I should have been doing the type of coaching that, yeah. that people were wanting. USPA has the coach rating the way it is, and I'm a firm believer and a firm supporter of it, and, and the actual intent of the coach rating is good. I would love to see them raise the numbers, but I don't think it's practical because not every drop zone is Skydive Spaceland or what was formerly Skydive Dallas, um, now Spaceland Dallas, because even Skydive Dallas did a good job with having good coaches on staff, having a large number of people. And a lot of drop zones don't have that. So relying on the guy with 120 jumps to coach somebody with 15 jumps is important. It's it's, it's an integral part. I mean, there's more DZs like that than there are Spacelands in this world. So I think it needs to stay where it's at, but something I want to do, and, and I say I, the rating center, uh, the brand that, that I represent, Hank, is a big part of what we do, um, is I really am thinking about, and uh, nobody's heard this out loud until now, besides Valerie. Well, um, everybody's about to hear it right now. Um, 22 people are <laughs> about to hear it out loud. Well, okay. So, oh, wait a minute, 24, because you two count. Boom. Um, but is an advanced kind of coach's course. Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, a guy in Florida and Deland 
uh, Rob Laidlaw does Skydive University, and, and it's a good program. I, I am, and by all means, respect it. Um, but a little bit different, a little bit even more than that, like actually considering a six-day coach course where we can spend a day focusing on a jump type, mm-hmm. a skill type, teaching it, training it, doing the classroom, making the skydives, running the debriefs, and doing up to two or three jumps a day focusing on various skydives and training. Um, obviously, this will take more time. Yeah. Um, I'd also require a higher jump number. It would obviously also get your USPA coach rating while you're at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of more time, um, it's going to cost a little bit more money because of more jumps and the more time to the exam that, does, that, that needs it. Yeah. Uh, Mr. P, you can feel free to ring in on this. Uh, do you think that's something people are interested in? I'm, look, I'm gonna let Nick start on this. I would love to see more people interested in it, and I would love to see it offered for the people who uh, want to learn. I, when I took uh, the coach course from you, I think it wasn't until I actually started the coach course that I realized what the coach rating was for, like the the jumps that it was designed to be teaching. So I, I thought the coach rating was almost more of like an overall, you're gonna learn how to teach people to skydive, you know, and more more of those sorts of fundamentals. So, uh, and again, it wasn't until I sat in the class that I was like, oh, well, yeah, these are the upper level AFF jumps. I understand what this yeah. rating mm-hmm. is about now. But uh, I think that there's a, you know, there's a huge gap between teaching that level and teaching free flying. Yes. And uh, I would love to see something more sufficient to fill that gap. I know uh, speaking with Sam Smith this past weekend and uh, – they are at Skydive Chicago actually developing new programs to new levels of coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, we have our mentor program and what's next. They're taking it even the next step further. And that's something at some point we need to sit down and talk. Jay and I have been talking about um, whether Space Sam wants to put a program together or the rating center wants to put a program together. Um, it doesn't matter. And you saw Ben's baby, huh? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> Abigail Blestros. I went to the doctor today. The baby is yours, Ben. Um, I and don't. And then Matthew said that you were pregnant, which I also, uh, that's <laughs> the what uh, encouraged the I snicker. I don't so believe So <laughs> Abby is a good friend of mine that's also the wife of one of my best friends in the whole wide world. And I just want him to know that the baby's mine. There is no way <laughs> the And I'm okay yours. with that. No way. <laughs> if the baby's yours and it's not born yet, that means you have had to have sex in the last nine months. Well, then it's not mine. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up, DJ. So no, ben, don't worry. At the end of the uh, podcast here, we're going to film your Match.com video <laughs> profile. So should be good. Bumble, bro. Bumble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my God. So I'll, I'll be looking at that, consider- yeah. considering that with, with Coach Core stuff. Um Dang, man, this roller track's going all over the place <laughs> in my brain. I, I think, uh, you know, we were talking, l- you were talking a little bit earlier about, um, you know, kind of like jump numbers and like what what's appropriate and what's, you know, where, mm. how do we, how do we gauge experience? And I want to go back. You reminded me. Sorry. Yeah. Um, the other thing that you mentioned is not just find good coaches, but you mentioned what you did. Mm-hmm. And when people used to ask me, I want to get into free flying, I used to send them to Ben Nelson. I might still send them to you, but you're so busy. You, you have other jobs to do right now. And the reason I sent them to you is because you actually didn't go on a jump with them right away. As a good coach, you put them through a first flight course. Yeah. You take a first jump course to start AFF. To start wingsuiting, you take a first flight course. Correct. To start free flying, you did a first free flight course, so to speak, and very few free flight coaches do that. And so as much as I'm telling the new jumpers, get good coaching – 
I think coaches need to learn to do first flight courses, first free flight courses, first Correct. whatever. And, and and so I think your message has a lot more to it than people realize. Yeah. I, I you know, it's just what I was just going to mention uh, a little bit earlier was about we were talking about jump numbers and what's a, what's appropriate jump numbers. And, you know, it's funny because we're in this weird – it's a bit of a paradigm because not, not too long ago uh, we were in a position where uh, somebody with a D license, for example – meant that you had a lot of experience, right? A D license, uh, 500 jumps, even six, seven years ago, meant that you'd been in the sport for a, a quite a while. Yeah. And you've absorbed a lot of what the sport has to offer, and you've got, and not to say that some of our younger D licenses don't have this type of thing, but let's be honest, at a place like Spaceland, you can get a D license in four or five months. And, um, and does that necessarily mean that that person is... Um, is 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 super experienced and ready to take on the challenges of say coaching somebody in beginner free flying? I think the answer to that's not necessarily all the time. I think it's limited. For I sure. think it's very very limited. And there was a period of time where a, a D license I think meant that you had been in the sport for a long long time. And now maybe in other drop zones that aren't as big as Spaceland where we can't they can't turn as many loads a year that as we do. Um, they may f still find that to be true. A smaller, like a Cessna one, a 182 drop zone, may take them a while to get a D license. That might take three or four years. Um, but at a place like Spaceland, we're turning out so many uh, licensed skydivers in general and so many D licensed skydivers in such a short period of time. How do we how do we find the the balance between um, the people that have the jump numbers and the people that have the experience, which I think are two very different things There's it's a tough question it's a tough question yeah. to answer you can put a piece of leather for six months in a closet or you can put it out in the sun one yep. of them's going to wear them one's going to age them one of them's going to give them character and, and actually make it tougher mm -hmm. and the other one's not and there's something to be said about exposure yeah and just because you have 500 jumps doesn't mean you have the exposure and, time and, in the sport. and for the record i'm just going to throw this out there too i'm coming from the perspective of i mean i had a d license in nine months I had I'm mine, coming yeah. from the perspective of I had a l I you know I got a lot of skydives very quickly and there mm -hmm. was a definitely a period of time my first year or two where I felt like I was way more experienced and should be given a little bit more uh, uh, latitude than uh, I was given and that was based solely on the fact that I thought I knew a lot more than I actually did if that makes sense it does and back to knowing you. Um, it, it does. And, and don't get me wrong, people, if you're watching this and you think that we're saying that somebody with 500 jumps in six months can't be a good and effective teacher, uh, Blair. Blair Smith, quite possibly yeah, one example. of my favorite Australians ever. Um, if, you guys don't, if you guys do know Blair Smith, uh, something that most people don't know is he is actually the face of Billabong in Australia. Um, this is a podcast. Don't take everything we say true on Facebook. But Blair <laughs> was uh, the base of Billabong. We used to tell tandem students that at Dallas, and they would all fall for it. The girls would fall for him. He's your ex-girlfriend. And Blair at 500 jumps. What do you mean ex? Um, current. I'm He's looking at you, Blair. Current. He misses you, Blair. Blair actually said that seeing you made him miss Maxie. That, that was one of our earlier comments. Maxie's my dog. She's amazing. So everybody just lay off. Um. He's a perfect example of somebody who 
took exposure, but he took a year and lived on the drop zone. He did those thousand jumps in a year yeah. by living on the DZ. So it wasn't a part-time exposure. It was a full-time exposure. It was definitely, uh, you know, diving headfirst into the pool. Yeah, he immersed himself, and he did a great job coaching uh, early on. Um, he did a great job as, as he continued to be a tandem instructor. And, and I'm going to be honest. I mean, as far as tandem instructing was concerned, he's uh, you know, fantastic. Fantastic yeah. for the experience that he has. Fantastic. Yeah. I would tr- I would trust him with my mom's life, which says a lot. He's fantastic for the experience you have. Yeah, and, and that's I'm not a shot at anybody. Blair is just really really yeah. a solid dude. So you eventually start coaching, and you get into free flying. When did you? How many jumps did you have when you? It was it was probably about two hundred skydived when I really started to uh, to to branch out into free flying. And you know back it, I say back in the day, but it wasn't really that <laughs> long ago. But uh, you know, back in those, even even in 2011, um, here at Spaceland too, we didn't have a ton of, we didn't really have a ton of free flyers. We didn't have a free fly scene. We didn't have a lot of fun jumpers. Period. We didn't have a ton of fun jumpers. We had a few, and of the few that we had, um, not a ton of them uh, did a lot of free flying. So it was very much trial and error for us here in Texas. Now I know that the free flying scene out in California at that period of time was very much, uh, very much a big thing. Chicago, uh, Florida. For some reason here, uh, there was Spaceland Anomaly, which a major shout-out to Spaceland Anomaly, by the way. Uh, Trent Alkek and Stephen Boyd, uh, some of my my heroes, the guys I look up to. Um, they were free-flying here, and they were doing things that was com- were completely different back in the early 2000s, all the way up to even, even up to today, those guys are uh, major in the sport. Um, with the exception of them here in Texas, we didn't really have a big free-fly scene, and so we didn't have people to tell us, you shouldn't do that or that's a bad idea, or we really had to learn a lot of the stuff. A lot of the stuff that I teach the people that I coach nowadays is stuff that I learned the hard way. The turning 90 degrees off jump run when I'm practicing zip flying. I had to learn that the hard way because I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing at the time, and now that I, now that I know, I, I'm able to give them that, that heads up. Um, and so it's, it was a weird, kind of weird position to be in where you didn't have really a lot of, uh, too much guidance. Um, and you were kind of learning as you go. And now I'm in a position where I see a lot of people that have the ability to get a lot of guidance, but for some reason they don't want to and they want to learn on their own. And it's like, don't don't have to go – you don't have to go out and learn by your own mistakes. I made enough mistakes on my own that I can tell you, <laughs> you know, the problems yeah. that you're going to run into if you just, uh, you know, follow what we're saying. And, you know, Nick, Nick is another good example of someone that I would say – go to Nick and ask him these questions because not just because he knows the answer, but because he got that answer by probably doing it the wrong way a bunch of times. That's absolutely how I learned. Yeah. And we just, we have so many opportunities nowadays to not do it that way anymore. We don't have to put people at risk to learn how to be good free flyers anymore. And I think another point to make is that there are so many more people doing that same thing right now that when I was doing my solo free flies, <laughs> I, I was I was usually the only one on the You're load like doing two, it. Two on the whole drop zone doing it that day. Yeah, there, <laughs> but there there wasn't anyone <laughs> else on the load doing that thing. Yeah, there. I mean, be one because there wasn't anyone to teach it, and there just wasn't really uh, anyone trying to learn and it. And, you'd and be now s- I'd be surprised on a busy Saturday at Spaceland Houston if you didn't have three or four solo free flyers. Yeah, exactly right. So now imagine the amount of room that you have the potential to to take up unintentionally on a on a solo yeah. free fly jump. Absolutely. And now that there are four of those people on each load i think it's much more important that people don't learn it that that wrong way that mm-hmm. we learned it and that they uh take advantage of 
the nearly endless resources that we have with the drop zones to, to, to learn those sorts of things the right way. One, because it's safer. Two, mm -hmm. because it's more cost-effective than throwing away a bunch of jump tickets learning it wrong. And then having to relearn it with a coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Relearning bad habits, definitely, definitely Getting rid hard. of bad habits and relearning. I do want to be fair to the free flight community in, in Texas, just uh, because Houston was definitely dead. Mm -hmm. But there were some uh, good smaller free flight scene going on at Skydive Houston at the time. Absolutely. Yep. Um, there's no doubt there were some really good flyers there. And Skydive Dallas at the time, Spaceland Dallas now, but Skydive Dallas has almost always had a very good, strong free flight scene yep. as well. And uh, so th there definitely is a lot of steep history in free flying here in Texas. Absolutely. Um, don't mess with Texas. It's not nice to pick on retards. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I mean, and shout out to those guys, man. Yeah. Uh, Penny Howe, Simon Bones, Steve Boyd, Trent Alkek. I mean, this was the community back then, and they they were they were doing it. They were yeah. doing it. They were competing, and they were they were changing the sport. Trying to remember the team name. Uh, DJ up in Dallas was on it. Brandon Chenard was on it. Eventually, Justin Russell flew camera for him. I think it was Vortex. Uh, Maybe? No, Vertex was Vertex. Simon's. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Justin was also on Vertex. Yes. So, um, yep. but it was it was somewhere uh, before that for sure. Yeah. Zach Sabell, I think, was on one of those teams too. Uh, Shout Zach, out to Zach was actually on, on Vertex. Vertex. Yeah, yeah, he was on Vertex with Justin Russell. Yep. So, um, the free fly scene has definitely gotten better. And one of the things that stands out to me the most that you said, and I'm a huge advocate of this, I started free flying when I had like 15 jumps. Very different day and age. Uh, Starts got up in '97, and uh, will not condone and don't think I did the right things. Like you guys said, I learned through my mistakes. But you had almost 200 belly jumps, and not only did you have almost 200 belly jumps, something that I'm gonna throw some shouts out props here to to Jennifer Sensenbaum uh, recently posted. Booties are not necessary. Whether you want to be a belly flyer or a free flyer, having booties off of your jumpsuit and having just your legs gives you less power in your legs, which makes you have stronger legs, makes mm -hmm. you more aware of your legs, and helps you understand your legs more. Not only because you need more input, but you feel more because the booties hide sensation. So, uh, A, do more belly jumps. As, as a free flyer, I back fly. As I back fly, I use my legs for heading control and maintenance. As I sit fly, I use my legs for heading control and maintenance. On my head, I use my legs. And everything is based off our legs. You know, mm -hmm. we hear it on level one as a student, legs out. You hear it during your AFF courses or wannabe instructor, you heard it through this entire week, legs out. And so doing 200 belly jumps. We say the same thing in free flying. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely true. You know, I, I was talking earlier about medicine. And when I was in medicine, you know, you learn the, the, you learn the basics very early. And the basics are 90% of what you do. Even after you learn all the advanced techniques, you still have to do the basics first before you can start the IV or before you can put in the endotracheal tube or before you do those other things. It's the same thing in skydiving, man. If you don't know the basics very well, it's very difficult for me. We just did a head-up camp here uh, last weekend at Spaceland, head-up big way camp. Mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't teach you how to fly that well and teach you about the basics of free flying at the same time. You should really come to a camp like that with an overall understanding of the basics of, of approaching uh, formations and things like that. And uh, the only way you're going to get that is by going out and actually doing it. But it's the basics. You have to know the basics first. And if you skip all those basics and try to go right to the advanced, then, um, like Nick was saying earlier, you're either going to have to relearn bad habits, get rid of bad habits and relearn how to do it, or you're never going to be as efficient as you really want to be, or it's just going to take you so much longer to be efficient. 
And so um, if you're not willing to be, if you're not willing to follow those basics up front or learn those basics up front, um, you know, I pro props to the guy at uh, 32 Jumps that wants to go out and do a solo head down because I, I appreciate <laughs> his enthusiasm. But you're actually doing yourself a disservice at that point because because you don't have all the basics that you need up front. Um, you could go do 100 of those jumps and finally get to a point where you get a coach who's going to make you go back and do all those basics anyways before you before you're out doing what you what you feel like you should be doing. So it's uh, I dude, everything you say, I, I wish people would understand. You know, it's I was talking with a jumper while you guys were organizing the camp this weekend. And we were looking at approaches. You guys were talking about approaches. You were talking about level slot dock. Mm -hmm. And I told the jumper uh, who was getting into free flying, hey, man, uh, they were telling me, it's neat, man. This is really cool, the things they're teaching. I never thought about these approaches. And that's where I said, man, these are not new approaches. Yeah, Everything we're doing as free flyers in large formations, I say we, I can't be in a large formation, um, is built off what we learned from belly big right. wave, man. You know, stadium approaches, stepping it in level slot dock how to fly the formation how to keep it from waving all, all of these essentials that you mentioned have to be down before you get right. to that vertical access so 200 belly jumps you know definitely well worth it um a lot of you guys and gals don't do it and, and i wish god dang it i wish more people would be like ben nelson that's the dumbest thing i think i've ever heard anyone say in their life yeah is it can i is there a mute button for things you've already said um, <laughs> we should put a tape delay on this from now on. <laughs> That's actually one thing I learned tonight is uh, finding a cough button. I can rig these up with cough buttons and put it here because if you keep seeing me do this, <laughs> it's <laughs> because I keep belching from dinner tonight, um, and, and I can't get that up. Well, my point at the end of the day is I hope people aren't like Ben Nelson because Ben Nelson learned in a very – I could have been a lot better a lot quicker if I had chose to learn a lot differently. You learned in a very trial and error made up environment. Right. There's there's no doubt about that. And I but I still wish people would take the two hundred jumps like you did. Yeah. The other thing I learned tonight is I have a nice little uh Red Bull fridge sitting in my front game room. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. It's sitting in the corner. Um I think I need might need to put that right next to you for future little Red Bull doesn't give me wings, it gives me shits. But it's a refrigerator for your beer. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> Speaking of which, there's a bottle of water sitting next to you. I've been staring at that bottle of water for about 20 minutes. I keep meaning to ask you for it. Thank you, Vanna. You're welcome. Um, so 200 jumps. You get into free flying. You figure it out on your own for the most part. I mean, very I little I help. No, I mean, I definitely had a lot of people that were helping. The, the few people that were here were definitely helping me. Don't get me wrong. Uh, shout out to Cody Edgeworth. Stephen Boyd, man. What a... Uh, Here's the way I would describe learning from Stephen Boyd. Um, for those of you that don't know Stephen Boyd Jr., he's one of the members of Spaceland Anomaly. Go back, go search Spaceland Anomaly on YouTube. I guarantee you, you're not going to be disappointed with the videos that you find. Some of the best free fly routines to this day, and they haven't been a team since 07? Since, yeah, 06, 07. Yeah. Uh, especially when you consider the stuff they were doing. They weren't, uh, they weren't learning anything. Like They weren't doing a ton of stuff in the tunnel. They were doing mostly s as many skydives in a year as they could. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, uh, you'll fly with people that that make you look good by compensating for your bad flying. And then you'll fly with people like Steven who make you look good by actually teaching you to be better. And so a uh, big shout out to Steven Boyd. I know you're out there listening right now, Steven. Big shout out, bro. Thanks. Thanks for all the encouragement. Um, you know, so we had I, I, there were people here at Spaceland. Don't get me wrong. That were 
that were excellent for those things, just not as much as we have now. We have so many people that can that could uh, you know p young jumpers could benefit from. And back in the day, it was just a handful of people that I would say, you know, probably five people I could count on my hand that I would trust to, to take, to, to, to go out and learn from. Um, so don't get me wrong. Uh, we had a, we had a good free, good solid free flying community. It just was not nearly as big as it is today. And my, not only has our free fly community grown, but so have you. And, and I really think those two things almost go hand in hand. Um, when I first moved here in 05, if you were on the drop zone at Spaceland Houston, you were a student training, a tandem training, a team training, particularly four-way teams. Um, and over the years, we saw a few fun jumpers here and there, and that, and that jump fun jumper scene grow. Uh, Matt Tinley, Cody Edgeworth, uh, you mentioned Cody, are, are a big part of, of why our, our community has grown. But also, you were part of that group for a while, along with, with a few other folks. And you used to actually have what was called B-Team. B-Team, yep. Um, we weren't quite good enough to be on the A team, but we were definitely uh, we definitely weren't the worst worst free flyers on the drop zone. Yeah, and you keep telling me you still have a couple more B team stickers. I have a ton of B team stickers. And A, you keep promising me one, and I don't have one. I like to keep you in suspense. I'm still wondering if you'll ever get laid, so that suspense is good enough. I would like to have a sticker. <laughs> um, and I also keep encouraging you bring that B team thing back. It, it, it's you know, part of what I want jumpers to understand is we don't have to be good. We don't have to be great. We don't have to, to do these things to a point we just need to enjoy it. And that yeah. B team, you guys had so much fun. You guys had, had a, a good time. time. Yeah. You know, I know you have your personal reasons why you kind of shied away from it, but I think those personal reasons are, are, are long said and done uh, yeah. and long gone enough that we'll leave it there. Um, bring back B team, man. I think so many fun jumpers would appreciate it. They would enjoy it. They all would support the sticker. I know I would. And do that. And I still got my B team sticker. Yeah, yeah, you do. It's still on your helmet. It's still there. But you need it's to get to it. It's starting to fade and peel off. But I think maybe I need to put a new one on. Refresh it. Refresh. Yeah. Refresh your helmet. Refresh the brand. Uh, as you went on, you've grown. You've done a lot of things. Um, you've gone on to be on state records, mm -hmm. national records, and world records free flying. Mm -hmm. um, wow, you, you, you've come a far way. How many? State records. Well, what was your first record period? Oh man! So first record was um, this is one of my very, very most proud records. Honestly, we did a state Texas state head up big wave formation record, which was the first head up big wave formation record that was claimed uh, after the after it was made an official class of record. Yeah, um, and it was a thirteen way, and believe it or not, it's still the state record and we set that in 2012 so we're we're gonna break it i think we're gonna break it this year in yeah. uh in dallas i think one of the reasons it hasn't been broken is nobody's done an official try uh there have been a couple people that have there have been a couple groups that have tried and haven't haven't really succeeded um and i know that uh jason david frank simon bones they did a uh, sequential record that um, was a little smaller than the state record, but it was a, it's a state sequential head sure. up record. But the state thirteen way head up record is still is still a record, and that's pretty cool. At the time we did it, two thousand twelve. I mean, man, that was that was some of the most difficult flying. I remember walking away from that record, going, I don't see how this could get any bigger. I mean, free fly or head up free flying, especially big wave formations. It was a really tough weekend for me and. You know, I was only a year and a few months into the sport. Um, and now to look where we've gone world record-wise with the head-up 
uh, big wave formations. Um, it's kind of amazing. What's the biggest head up formation? You've we been just on? set a world record head up formation. I think it was a 72 or 73 way uh, in Arizona last April. Ooh. Yeah, a lot bigger than 13. And I remember walking away from 13 going, I don't think we're going to get much bigger than maybe 20. I remember in 10,000, 2000, in 2000, um, a 3.10 way, if I remember right, uh, head down was a huge deal. That happened with Olaf Zipser and Scott of America and, and Pahokee, and it was yep. really a, a heyday of three point for its time. And now we're looking at a 72 way head up, which, I- if you've never free flown, it is for most people the hardest access to fly. And we're shooting for a 100 way next time. When is, when is that? I don't think we have a, I don't think we really have a time frame. Um, I know uh, Amy Shimlecki and Sarah Curtis are planning a women's head-up record in November of this year. Ladies, start training. We're going to do some some events, and they're putting on some camps. Go get your training. Go do it. And then um, the head-down world record is going to be probably about a year from August. So I would I would imagine sometime around 2019 we'll do another head-up type uh, record attempt. You made me do math. I don't like you anymore. Um, that's two years. Uh, dude, so 72-way, you've done a lot with, with the head-up. On that 72-way, were you a participant, organizer, cab? What did you do? <coughs> so this last uh, world record, I was kind of uh, part of the organizing crew. Uh, Amy Shimlecki and Sarah Curtis, Steve Curtis, were the main organizers. Mm-hmm. Basically, the uh, the group that we had in the base, uh, Antonio Arias, myself, um, Simon Bones, we were all kind of uh, helping organize the world record. And um, to be completely honest, it was the first world record as an organizer that I've, I've been a part of and as an organizer. And, man, there's a lot of work that goes into that. You think it's, you think it's easy being an organizer. It is not easy being an orga- organizer. Lots of um, nights we'd be in there till 11 o'clock midnight, and then uh, we'd be back in there the next morning at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning preparing the next jumps. Um, watching and rewatching video, it's really a, it's really a big puzzle. You're trying to put together a puzzle. Um, you're taking the way people are flying. You're looking at all the video, uh, and you're trying to put the people in the right spot to get the results that you want. And when you have 13 people, it's a lot easier than when you have 100 people or 73 people. I mean, it's it's a big massive puzzle. I and I I don't think I was quite ready for it. Yeah, uh, and that last that last record helping out as an organizer uh, opened my eyes to that. I've the biggest thing I've organized is twelve fifteen, uh, somewhere around that ways. And the, well the trick I found was it's not putting people in their best slot; it's people putting people in the best slot for that jump. Right. And managing those egos because people get butt hurt. But this is my favorite slot. This is where I want to go. But man, you're gonna get a record if you go here. Yeah. And and that's super cool. And really, the moral of the story there is that, um, you know, to to be invited to the head down record, you have to go to a camp, and you have to be uh, invited. You have to go prove that you're safe and that you're able to participate in a way that's going to provide uh, maximum. Uh, you know, you're going to help the team. You're going to help get the record, which is what we want. But in order to do that, you better be ready to dive. You better be ready to float, take a left-hand grip, take a right-hand grip, close a pod, fly in the base. you got to be ready to do all of those things. If you show up to a, a record that isn't an invite record and you only know how to fly right-handed grip, 
you're doing yourself a disservice because they might put you in a left-handed grip and you could totally screw that up. Uh, or they may, uh, you may only have practiced diving and now you're put in the floater spot. My advice is go to as many big way organized events that you can go to and fly as many different slots and as many different grips uh, as you can because when it comes time to the record, they're going to put you in a slot, and it doesn't matter if it's left, left-hand grip, right-hand grip, first stinger, second stinger, diver, floater. They're just going to put you in a slot, and they're going to expect that you're going to be able to perform, and uh, you do yourself a disservice if you only practice the things that you're really good at. So you, you mentioned time and time again camps, and that's, that's something that's not necessarily new to the sport, but you're seeing more and more of in free flying. We've seen it in big ways for years. Um, P3 pairs holds camps mm-hmm. all the time. There's a lot of other, other great camps, but we're seeing more and more free flight camps. And recently, we actually started having more and more camps here in Space Marines. Mm-hmm. And you had you mentioned you guys had a sit a head up camp this past weekend. Now first of all, who hosted that camp? So uh, myself and Tom Johnston hosted that camp uh, this weekend. Who? Tom Johnston. I don't know how you. Twami Johnston. Thank you. Little Twami Johnston. Twami. Tommy Johnston is one of the few people who can say that he's been on a head-down world record both as an airplane pilot and as a participant in the skydive. So there's a shout-out to Tommy Johnston. Tommy. Um, so you and Tommy hosted this one. We did. Was it – so I, I, I want to get on it. I don't have the skill set. I shouldn't be on the, the size and style camp you guys have. doesn't mean I can't build up to it. Mm-hmm. But let's say I, I'm at the point where I'm ready to be on that camp. How do I get involved with that camp? So we'll post something on Facebook. Generally, it's going to be an open public type situation where we post an event page. And then um, someone will send us a note saying, hey, I want to be a participant, and we'll ask you a few questions, mostly about your skill level. What are you able to do? Um, What are your most comfortable grips? Things like that. And then we'll let you know, you know, if you fly at a certain drop zone, we may call out to that drop zone and ask the people that are there that we know what kind of flying you do, how safe you are. And then um, we'll invite you to the camp to come. And when you do, we just let you know that uh, if, it, if it ever comes to a point where it's a safety issue with how, how you're flying, we may have to ask you to sit out the rest of the mm-hmm. camp. But we'll give you the tools that you need in order to go practice the stuff that you're having problems with. Typically on these big way, uh, especially head-up camps, break-offs are a big issue. We can get people that can approach the formation that can dock on the formation and fly their slot very well, but they can't break off very well. Well, that's a safety issue. And if they can't do it consecutively, we may ask you to sit out of the camp and say, hey, you now know what you need to work on. You need to work on your break-offs. And let me give you some pointers that you can work on. Let me give you some drills that you can work on. And go work on those things. And our next camp, come back and try again, and we'll see how you do. It's uh, highly recommended. I'm, I'm going to take one second before I get back to it. But Matt Jones, I think you know Matt. Yeah, Matt. Really great dude. He mentioned that the first record, state record, was a seven-way sit. And, and Matt, True. all it was. respect, yep. unofficial records as well. No, no. Actually, that did wasn't actually official. official. No, it was okay. official. And now that I remember it, it was a seven-way. Yep. So they did it right because you guys did it right after USPA actually started doing official national records. Yeah, it's a bit fuzzy. It was a long time ago. Okay. Um, I think I think the seven way was actually an official record. Now that I think about it, so there you go. Called out by Matt Jones. Good um, job, Matt. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it wrong. Yeah, but we did get a thirteen way. I'm glad you can count that high. <laughs> camps. We get people into camps. The learning curve is so much higher now. How big was this last camp? Um, this last camp was a full um, Skyvan load, so we had twenty two, twenty three people. 
and I want to say um, the most we had on at any given time was 16. Okay. Yep. So no completions. We didn't complete any uh, any full formations, but we did have uh, at least 14, 15, 16 people on at any given time, yeah. But one of the things that I want people to understand at these camps, completions aren't the goal. Um, I think you and I think maybe Nick Lott were on the hybrid record we did together. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Peters. Uh, and the hybrid record, so I was on more than one occasion listening to a couple very experienced jumpers on the hybrid camp complain about the inability to build. And in my slot, man, I didn't get to dock until the last attempt because my slot was never open. I actually yeah. docked early once and apologized to, to mm -hmm. the organizers. I'm like, man, I, I'm sorry I docked, but I've never been allowed to touch the formation um, <laughs> because my slot's never been available. And, and, and they were respectful. Uh, but the guys who complain, man, these are camps. For us to get these really awesome records, for us to build these really awesome formations, we have to train the folks underneath us. We right. have to work with them. And it stands out to me that those people complain, but yet so many people like like yourself, like Tommy Johnston, Tommy. like like these other folks who worked in this record camp or this camp with you are allowing the folks. You know, So remember if you're going to camps that, yes, you're going to be building things, that you might not be completing things. And the goal is improvement, not completion. We actually make that a point at the very beginning when we give our uh, briefing in that uh, this is a learning opportunity, right? Um, you're never going to show up at something for the first time and be good at it 100% immediately. And so um, the, the only way that you can do it, you know, a very fine example was um, Simon Bones recognized this back when we were uh, trying to set a new head down state Texas record in that we weren't just going to be able to set a date and go do it. We needed to have some camps, and we wanted to get people trained. And so we held four or five camps that, that year before that record um, to get people up to where we needed them to be. And those camps were very much the time that people needed to learn. That's when I needed to learn. Yeah. My break-off sucked, and um, that was where I learned how to – I walked away from those camps with good, solid tips on what I needed to go work on outside of those camps in order to get better to be in those records. And, and it worked. Get to the point, not, not you people, get to the point and understand that when you go to these things that don't expect to get completions if you're that good. And if you're not that good, don't be afraid to say, well, I, I'm not good enough to be in this camp. Um, in some cases, that's true, but in most cases, that's the purpose of a camp is to get you good you enough know, to and be we'll on something else. And we'll put you in the right spot for your skill level. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, if your issues are break-offs, We'll probably put you last diver, um, stinging last and breaking off higher than everyone else. It's not because you suck. Well, it is kind of because you suck <laughs> at that thing. But we're giving you an opportunity to work specifically on the thing that you have a problem with, which is break-offs. We're going to let you break off higher and practice it longer. We're going to look at your skill level, and we're going to put you in the appropriate spot to make sure you're getting the maximum training out of the camp that you could possibly get. And back to something we said earlier failing and getting up and doing it again, trying the hardest thing you can, that's what really makes you a skydiver. Mm -hmm. um, Marlon Mahoney is the chief instructor at the Williams Tunnel, and no doubt in my mind uh, a bunch of tunnel rats get a ba bad rap, and, and for good reason in some cases, and not all cases. And one thing that's always impressed me about Marlon is he was out here recently and trying to nail a sit exit, and he could not nail it for the first several jumps, and all he wanted was to be in that slot every jump. This is the one slot I can't nail. This is the one spot I can't hit. 
and yeah. all he did that entire day. And at the end of the day, he got it. At the end of the day, to hear uh, his story about how well it went, I actually didn't get to hear it from him. I heard it through a buddy. Uh, it, it went well. And to me, again, that's what makes a skydiver. Yeah. Try the stuff you suck at and get better. Yep, that's very true. And when you go to those, uh, when you go to these world record camps, for those of you free flyers out there that haven't been on a world record but are going to plan on being on the next head down world record, you're going to go to these camps and you're going to be uh, asked what slots you want to be in. And I mean, that's the time to learn, man. Try your hardest to, to fly the slots that are the most difficult for you so that you can you can be good at them and you don't have to worry about them in the future. Do you and so let's say I go to one of the bigger camps and I say, hey, man, I want to try this slot. My left hand mm -hmm. dock is super weak. I dock way better with my right hand than I do with my left. I actually think it's the other way around for me. Um, should I be honest with the organizers when I first request that slot? Yep. I want this because this is my challenge. Absolutely. And a because they're going to give you the tips that you need in order okay. to fly that slot the best that you can fly it. And so some of my fears, I, I think most people's fears, I think I understand it now, but is, well, if I go for my hard slot, then I'm going to get cut because I can't do that thing. But if they know, A, they can give you better tips, and B, mm -hmm. when they see it's too much, they can put you in something more. Flying flying poorly and being unsafe are two different things. Okay. And if you're flying it poorly, at least you're learning something, and they're going to be able to give you tips on how to get better. If you're flying unsafely, you're putting other people at risk then that's a different conversation. Mm -hmm. But when you go to these camps and you're trying things that are new, for the most part, it's not an unsafe issue. It's a, it's a you're not flying it very well issue. Well, hell, that's the best time to learn. You've got some of the best free flyers in the industry that are organizing these camps, and they can give you the best tips that you need in order to fly that better. You know, you go to any of the camps in Chicago or Sebastian for the next head down record, and you're going to be dealing with the likes of Jason Russell, uh, Stephanie Strange, all of SDC Corps, Rook Nelson. Those are the people that you want giving you advice on how to fly better because they're the they are the top of the game. Yeah. So um, that's where you want to go do it. That's that's the time to do it. That's the time to get the training. So that kind of gets us in the camp and the mindset of the camp. But, you know, I, I watch a lot of what you guys did this weekend and I started free flying in the 90s. Uh, I was on a free fly team in 98, ni 99, 2000, 2001. Somebody had to come in last. There's quite a few of you out there that weren't even born then. Yes, thank you. Um, I actually have been, this is my 20th year, so thank you. I've been skydiving longer than some of my students. Uh, have been, been alive, alive. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, that's, that's, yeah, thanks, Ben. I You're love welcome. you, too. Um, Shameless hair plug. E even, oh, dude. Uh, people, <laughs> I ask people to name this podcast. <laughs> And by the way, na name the show, not not this episode. Name the show. If you give me a name I like, I will buy you two jumps. Uh, two regular experienced jumper slots, not students, not tandems. I'm sorry, I can't afford that, but $50 worth of two jumps. By the way, if you're an STP student or a tandem and I pick your name, I'll just straight up put $50 to a jump for you. Um, it does not need to be skydive related. It just has to have a skydive feel. Nick Lott has actually one of the better ideas as far as he knows which way I want to go. If you saw his suggestions, what was the name of it, Nick? Flights, Fights, and Insights. And, and if you know me, sorry, I can't remember the name. Uh, I'm a huge MMA fan. I probably pay more attention to the sport of MMA when I leave the drop scene than I do skydiving. Um, another one, man, Aubrey Hicks, I believe was her name, Beyond the Sky. Ooh, nice. Ooh, dude, you know? Um, so I can what about Fly Your Slot? Fly Your Slot. Nick Lott. I want to be able to take slot. it away from skydiving. That never happened. But so people are suggesting names for this episode. Awesome. Oh, no, no, no. Not for the episode, but name the yeah. name the, the 
podcast. Yeah, so people have named all sorts of things. For the episode, I really thought uh, uh, two balds and two beards, something like that. It's just balding and bearded. <laughs> really fitting. I mean, you have only had bearded men on your show thus far. so um, There are two type of men in this world. Those with beards and women. So, I mean, that's why you only have men. There it is. <laughs> or um, women with beards, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> or women with beards. And back into fetishes we go. Yes. I like it. Well, this just took a <laughs> oh turn man. for the creepy. So how do I get? So I, I'm watching you guys do this big way camp, and I'm thinking, oh my god, this is so neat. This is so cool. <laughs> and my chair's falling apart. <laughs> and my chair's falling apart. I think this is so cool, and I'm not only wondering how somebody like me who could get on it, but I'm a young jumper. I saw a lot of my buddies who are just getting into free flying or or still belly flyers look in that direction. What do they need to do? What skill set do they need to represent before they can get in this last skill camp? Uh, they need to be safe. Um, and when we say safe, um, we're going to uh, give them a kind of like a prerequisite. These are the things you need to be able to do for our specific camp this last weekend. You need to be able to approach the formation on your head. Uh, you need to be break be able to break off from the formation on your head. Not because the formation was large enough that we needed that done, but because we're practicing uh, to be able to fly in a much larger formation. We only had 20-something people, and we could have we could have organized this camp differently so that approaches were a lot different than what you would see in the world record. Mm -hmm. But because we're training for a world record, like we're training people to be better so that they can come fly on the world record, it doesn't matter the size of the formation. We're going to we're going to train people in the in the style and technique that we use for the world record, so that when they get there, they're not they're not completely lost. A good example is I could go out with a four way uh, head up four way group today. And we'll practice our break-off the way that we would for the head-up world record if that's what they want to practice doing. If they want to be on the world record, we're going to practice that. On a four-way, we could just kind of break off normally and just kind of do whatever. Sure. But I want to see them make that transition that we do in the world record and track away in a safe manner because we're training for a world record. It doesn't matter how many people that we have. We're training as if we're a part of a 100-way. And so um, this last camp, we probably could have organized things differently if we wanted to be more successful in building this particular formation. Yeah. But we weren't focused on building a 24-way this weekend, 23-way this weekend. We were focused on training people for a 100-way. So we had to we had to approach the uh, the way that we planned this camp a little bit differently than what some people may have wanted because we weren't trying to build a big formation this weekend. We were trying to teach people to fly for a much larger formation, which is a lot different flying if that makes sense. No, it makes total sense. I actually uh, took the luxury of sitting in the fishbowl with you and Tommy and not Tommy. Yeah, Tommy Johnston. Tommy Johnston. Um, and, and J.V. Nadal. Um, I don't even know why I say his name. Um, and watch you guys debrief. Not not debrief yourself, but like look at what you're looking for in the group, how to make the exit launch better, what's going on with approaches. And it's very interesting. And it really makes me wonder, what is uh, if I were to attend this camp this last weekend, what was my cost? Um, so it just depends on where you go and, and um, but who's, who's organizing. But in this case, uh, we were asking for 50 bucks a day for registration, and then jumps are normal uh, between you and the drop zone, so $25 okay. slots. That covers our time as organizers to, A, Tommy's not from Houston, so he has to come in. Uh, he's got to get a hotel, and he's got to do all this other stuff. Uh, it helps us cover excuse me, some of our costs as organizers. Um, and then it also helps us guarantee uh, playing time. So this last weekend we had uh, the, the Skyvan as our kind of our designated aircraft. Yeah. 
And in order to do that, we want to, you know, be be a part of the. Like, we got to get with the drop zone and make sure that they're okay with us using it. Sure. It was definitely. Uh, we didn't need to fly the Skyvan last weekend, but they were doing it specifically for us, and that cost. That there's a cost to that at the end of the day. So, the money that we're asking for registration is um, usually to help us cover the costs of of us putting on a, a camp like that. Uh, when you go to a, a world record event, like say if you go to Arizona for the next head up uh, world record in another two years or so, you expect to pay somewhere upwards of about 600 bucks up front, uh, and that'll cover a certain number of jumps yeah. uh, initially, also the registration. And then um, if you don't end up doing as many jumps as they plan on you doing, they'll give you some some of that money back. But typically speaking, when you go to uh, the head down world record, the head up world record, you're paying a lump sum up front uh, for registration and for jumps. And it's in the tune of somewhere between, uh, I'd say, five and $800. And then any skydives that you do extra, you have to pay more for. Or if you get the record in four jumps and they slated it for 10 jumps, you're going to get six jumps back, that type of scenario. I'm paying for two extra jumps in the end of the day said and done. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the benefit of having my organizers flown out, in this case, Tommy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Johnson is flown out. Um, no, we made him drive. You made him drive? Yeah. I paid for his travel. Because we don't care for him that much. Yeah, we don't care. Um, paid for travel expenses, paid for paid for the time, mm-hmm. um, and I get debrief video through the whole process, and, right. I, and I want you debriefed. Um, people should expect to, and, and and thank God, we live in a day and age where people are perf- understand and perceive the value. You know, Tom has other things he can do with his life, and right. fifty dollars is not that much. How how many jumps did you guys do on Saturday? Uh, Saturday we did five jumps. Five jumps, so it's five extra dollars a jump is what they paid. Mm-hmm. Said and done. And, and to me, that's a killer value. Five extra dollars to have everything you and guys have. And that's pretty standard. I think you would expect at any camp or uh, record you go to to expect somewhere around five or six jumps in a day. So you're planning more camps, but I think the thing that a lot of the people watching this and listening to you and I are doing is they're younger jumpers mm-hmm. as well. And I think a lot of the younger jumpers would be interested in camps. And first of all, I would think with, with them the camps would have to be smaller because of the experience levels. Correct. And, of course, that means the fees will be a little bit different because you're not dividing it amongst 20 people. Mm-hmm. Are you considering? So what I my recommendation to, um, and I said this to a lot of the people in the camp this weekend, is any opportunity you have to go do any type of big way training, and it doesn't really matter if it's head down, head up, or belly, um, level slot dock means the same for any big way type, um, type event. Now, the difference between levels for head down, head up, and belly are they might be different as far as what that looks like. Yeah. But the principle of flying le- on level in your slot before you take your dock and flying well and breaking off uh, safely are all the same across all of the different big big weight type activities, whether you're on your belly, on your on your head, or on your feet. Um, for some of you younger jumpers that are looking to get into some of these bigger free fly formations, and you're still learning how to free fly. You can get the basics that you need for big way flying by going and doing big way belly type events, which are uh, you mentioned P two earlier, which is a good uh, a good example. Now that's a much P three. I'm sorry, P P three. Now that's a much bigger event, but um, a good example is Raul. Uh, uh, how do I say his last? Quint Quint Quinones. 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 Raul. I just call him Raul. Raul. He uh, he's doing some big way type belly events at Spaceland. That would be a very good. Uh, place for new newer jumpers that eventually want to get into big way free flying that would be a great place to start because that i mean he's going to give you the basics in a very safe environment you're on your belly super safe 
um, but you're going to walk away with the with the knowledge that you need for big ways so that when you come to me to do free fly big ways, I'm not trying to teach you how to do the specifics of free fly uh, big ways and teaching you about big ways in general. You've already come to me with all the basics that you need. Yeah. It's uh, for, for anybody who doesn't realize it, Raul, I don't know if you know this, on March 18th, is yes. actually having one of his big way camps. Correct. And at I've sat Houston, in Scott at Space and Houston. Yeah, yeah. Space and Houston. I've sat in the background of one a little bit. I've, I was really busy. I didn't have all the time to, to do what I wanted to do and sit. But Raul is a phenomenal coach. He helps me with rating courses. You you worked with him this week mm-hmm. in an AFF course. Uh, but also a phenomenal big way guy. So uh, take advantage of him, man. Take advantage of that opportunity as a young uh, jumper, yep. Does anybody know, uh, Mr. P, his fees for this one? I don't know. I do not know his fees, but um. I know that he would be happy to uh, answer any Facebook questions regarding uh, that event. And one of my favorite women in the world, Nicole Craig, because, you know, I like skinny fit women. Just saying, Nicole, I love you. Um, can't wait for Raul's camp. And it, it's cool to see these new jumpers taking advantage of these opportunities that, that you and I and, and Mr. P over here never had the ability to afford. And uh, they, weren't, they weren't even available to us. No, back, they, back they didn't then. exist, man. Yeah. So it's really, it's really cool to see. So you're going to tell them, go see Raul, go do his big way camp, mm-hmm. uh, get some more experience there. But as a free flyer, what can they do to be ready? What, what, what can they do? Is there s- other smaller camps? Is there, smaller, is there other coaching opportunities? What can I do to get to the point I'm ready for your camp? I think Facebook is a really good tool nowadays because there's always some sort of event going on. Um, for anybody that's looking to be on Head Up Big Ways, um, there's a ton of head up tunnel events that are very excellent um, for certain aspects of the head up formations. Um, I know that Simon Bones and uh, Jason David Frank are putting some on. Um, I I would just say that um, look around on Facebook and find any camps that you could do. Tom Johnson, again, is going to come do uh, two or three head down camps, smaller ones like 10 ways Mm -hmm. uh, here at Scott S. Baseline Houston over the next three or four months. We're planning on another two-plane head-up uh, formation shot. I would any opportunity you have to find to go do any type of, of uh, event, I would say go do it. I know uh, San Marcos, Lone Star, Scott Ives Baseline Dallas, Scott Ives Baseline Houston. There's always some sort of event going on, even if it's a small head-down event or a, a smaller head-up event. You're going to learn so much just going out and jumping with those people that by the time you get to do some of the big stuff, um, you're going to have a good uh, knowledge base. There's uh, so much more out there for people to learn than there ever was when we started. And yep. the favorite part of my sport is it's super easy to learn. It is impossible to master any one discipline. And as you come even close to getting good at it, there is an infinite number of other things to do. So you know, definitely taking advantage of these things. It, it's been neat to see where you've come as a free flyer. Where are you going next? I mean, like, what's your future goals? What what does the future hold in store for Ben the Free Flyer? I don't know. I mean, uh, there's a bunch of records coming down the line here uh, shortly. Um, we're d- uh, some of these camps that we're putting on right now are going to be for the uh, head up Texas head up state record that we're trying to break. Two plane shot Fourth of July in Scott Ives Baseline Dallas, but these camps are a good opportunity for any local Texas girls that want to come out. Texas ladies out there that want to come out and learn more about big ways because um, Amy and S- Amy Shimlecki and Sir Curtis are putting up on a head up women's head up record in Arizona uh, in November. And I would love to see as many Texas girls representing uh, in that event as possible. So that's coming down the line. Um, 
we're coming up on uh, our second year out from the last head down world record, which means the year prior to the next head down world record, we're going to be doing, there's going to be camps going on, right? Um, so look for those starting sometime around the end of August, beginning of September. And um, for those of you free flyers that are a little bit more advanced that are looking for training for the next head down world record, there's going to be a few camps in California for the California state head down record, which is going to probably be about 100 way. And then there's going to be the Texas, uh, excuse me, the California state head down record event. Um, those are great training opportunities to go to. As far as myself, you know, uh, I, I would like to definitely uh, look at the next head down world record. And, um, you know, we've had a goal, Amy, Sarah, Simon, myself, Antonio Arias, Steve Curtis, we have a goal to do a, 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 a hundred way head up formation, which a couple of years ago, uh, I had a person laugh in my face and call me an idiot when I said we were gonna do a 35 way. So uh, to be in a position where we could even, um, we could even speculate on a hundred way head up formation is a very good position to be in. And I think that that is uh, something that I'm really looking forward to actually seeing is a, a three digit head up formation. I don't think that that was something that people would have even considered five years ago. Definitely not something we considered 20 years ago. Um, to be fair to the person who laughed at your face and called you an idiot, that had nothing to do with the 35 way. <laughs> just, just to be fair to him. Um, to be fair, it was specifically because I said we were doing a 35 way. And he said, you're an idiot. That's never going to happen. Um, well, you're still an idiot, but it happened. So <laughs> congratulations on, on getting Correct. those goals. We done. got it. So you've been free flying for a long time, and you actually transitioned. You know, one of the things that I, I'm doing through these series of, of live chats is what I was calling them when they're on just Facebook, and now I think I can start dubbing them podcasts. And Justin Grant, thanks for the sound check, buddy. Um, Justin Modlin is the guy who, or Justin Grant is the guy who helped get me set up and practice uh. all the audio. I have equipment all hidden behind places that you guys can't see right now. Um, you, you, you were Chevron. You were having a good time at your job as far as you got paid and it paid for your hobby mm -hmm. and let's be real uh easy way to make small fortune skydiving is to start with a large large fortune it's yep. the quickest way to go broke is, is not only skydiving but if you really want to go broke become a full-time skydiver yep and somewhere along the lines you said i'm cutting away i'm chopping i'm out of here i think well part of it was uh, chevron decided that they they didn't need me anymore um you know the oil industry is a very fickle uh, is a very fickle industry, and um, we got to the point, downsizing-wise, where <coughs> I got laid off, and it was actually one of the best things that ever happened to me. But to your point about, um, you know, being in a position where you can afford to skydive, being a manager at Spaceland has given me insight to a lot of a lot of very interesting things. Spaceland is growing so quickly, and. Um, we have this really fantastic thing called the uh, unlimited jump package that I can't stress to people is one of the best deals you're ever going to find in skydiving. And that's not just com coming from me as a manager. That's coming from me as a skydiver. Um, you used the example of Blair Smith earlier. You know, he yeah. showed up to us with 60-something skydives and left with 1,000 after 9, 10 months. Um, the the, train the lear learning that he had when he was here was just phenomenal as spaceland gro grows those packages are good wherever you go i mean imagine a imagine a time when um you could have an unlimited jump package at a place like skydive spaceland houston 
and still go to Dallas and use that package or still go to Atlanta and use that package or still go somewhere else that is yet to be named. I mean, Spaceland is, is definitely growing. Mm. Um, put yourself in a position where you know, being current is key and being current is difficult when you are limited to funds. If you're able to buy something like a package like this that we have at Spaceland, man, you're going to learn so much in such a short amount of time. It's not even funny. One one of the things that I see people doing in the future for Spaceland is all using jump package. And, dude, I, I wish that was around when I was a fun jumper. Um, when I was trying to do as many jumps in a year as I could because it's a gift. I mean, basically, uh, Steve, I hope you don't take this the wrong way. You're ripping off skydive Spaceland because you're said and done when you're doing a 1,000 jumps, paying very little for skydive. Spaceland is getting a lot out of it because our name is building, our brand is building, our flyers are getting way better. And so for the whole, the sport wins. And if you've ever known the Boyds, they are about growing the sport. So I I don't think they're losing in this deal at all. But there are some really cool events. The Revolution Boogie with the Head Up Camp at Skydive Spaceland Dallas. Um, There's more camps going on and, and more events starting to happen at Clewiston and Atlanta over each year. And these things are growing. And imagine actually getting on a, a circuit of events and going from drop zone to drop zone. And you pay a registration fee every time you show up. And you're done. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's so easy. You stay at home. You have a home base of operations. Spaceland Houston, for me, is, is it. It's the best. I, we call it the mothership sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, the other drop zones are phenomenal. I love Dallas. It's one of my favorite spots in the world. Um, but you, you, you travel from there. It's definitely a unique opportunity. Yeah. You know, especially in a space like a place like Houston, you know, uh, man, uh, e- even being a manager, I don't get to jump as much as I used to, mm-hmm. but I still average upwards of a, a thousand to twelve hundred jumps a year uh, at a place like Skydive Space in Houston, and it's you're going to be hard pressed to find a place that you can do that many jumps in a year. So constantly, what made you? I mean, y- y- so you got laid off mm-hmm. at Chevron, and, and that that's how you left. You could have gone in multiple different directions. You, you could have done almost anything else you wanted in the world, become a cop, because Ben Nelson is a cop. Um, you decided to get into skydiving full-time, and not only skydiving full-time, you decided to get into management. Why, what took you that direct route? So I was in management before. I mean, uh, when I've, when I've all the jobs that I've had in the last 15 years have been in a management role. Mm-hmm. Um, so I already had the management experience. Uh, it was a natural progression. Uh, if you want to be anywhere in the sport, to to advance yourself man houston is houston's a mecca houston's a place to be i can't think of i can't think of many other drop zones that i would want to be at currently um where i could get as much out of of being at that place and so uh it was it was happenstance to me that they were looking to as as spaceland grows they're looking for someone to to be a manager and um it happened that I no longer had a job managing at at an, on a, at an oil company, so they said, "Why don't you come manage for us?" And uh, it's been a fantastic experience uh, this entire time. So now you're our full-time operations manager at Houston, which mm-hmm. is almost uh, not true. And I say that because when Ken Stone goes out of town for a week for PIA, you go cover him in Dallas. Mm-hmm. When um, I want to call him Tim Pelkey, he's my old rigger, uh, Kevin. Kevin Purdy. When Kevin Purdy, um, and they look enough alike where <laughs> the, the whole name thing messes me up. Uh, when he took his vacation, you covered him, so you, you do a little bit. Traveling. Spaceline use me uses me where they need me. 
You and I'm very pleased to, to, to go wherever they need me to go. Well, you get to, if you've never been to Spaceland Atlanta, which you have, dude, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous. site, man. Space Lanta is what we call it, Absolutely the little bowl. Gorgeous. used to be Skydive the Farm, and if you've ever jumped at the farm, it, it's got that similar feel and setting, except for they took out a lot of the extra trees in the middle of the landing area, and the hangar from top to bottom got redone. So you, you take what is a sweet spot and you make it a little bit better. Yep. And then you put in, in the program and the structure Spaceland is able to provide with aircraft, yep. student training, uh, organizer support. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of our organizers are traveling there regularly. Uh, they're definitely nice spots. So you're, you're Houston's manager. You're yep. a part-time tandem instructor still. Mm -hmm. And you have other goals with instructional ratings. Uh, you and I have talked about this. Um, and so here is this. This is like putting you on the spot. Now you're on public blast. You want to get your AFF rating. Man, I've been putting it off. I, you're busy as a manager. It's hard for you to do. I get it's, that. It's hard. It's hard. And you know, I'll, I'll be honest. You know, there's a sense of responsibility that you have as as an AFF instructor. When you have someone attached to you as a tandem instructor, uh, you know, I'll be honest. Like, I feel like I'm competent enough to go do those jumps and and be safe. You know, you you're taking a lot of responsibility on yourself when you become an AFF instructor, and and uh, it's a lot of work. I, I think the thing that scares me the most is. What I've been able to see is when you come out of the AFF instructor course, obviously you're competent and mm -hmm. capable of being an AFF instructor, but that doesn't mean that you're the best instructor you're ever going to be yet. You have to put a lot of time and effort into getting better as an instructor, even after you have the rating. Uh, it's, it's much like becoming a paramedic. When I first became a paramedic, um, I had to go out and, and do a lot of stuff in the field before I became a really good, solid, all-around uh, advanced life support provider. Uh, it's the same thing. You know, you can have an AFF instructor rating, but if you don't use it very often or you you don't, um, you know, you don't dive into that aspect of the sport, um, it's a lot of responsibility. And and I've seen a lot of people get it and, and just not use it and not excel at it because they are not willing to put the time in. And I guess to your point, I think the thing that scares me is I don't know if I'm going to have enough time to really put time into it after I get it. That's a different version. Uh, I, like so, in the, in the past, you've always been excited about it. You've actually yeah. worked in a lot of courses helping just to do the research and guys. Well, that's because it's fun shooting videos of instructor candidates being scared out of their mind because you're such a bad student. Watching myself and <laughs> and Tommy Matt Miller is a great. Props is to Tommy a, Miller. Uh, Tommy Miller is one of the best bad students uh, that I've seen. I tell that guy knows how to be a bad student. I tell Tommy because he's that good of a flyer. He is. I tell Tommy Miller regularly that he's the second best evaluator at Spaceland Houston. The only reason I'm better than him is I've been doing it 15 years. He's been an evaluator for and AFF and for just over a year. And because you have a beard. Um. Yes. Yeah. No. And uh, I naturally suck at skydiving, so <laughs> <laughs> it makes it work out pretty good. But Tommy blows my mind because he is is the one evaluator. I can say go do this, and he makes it look good. He makes bad be he makes look yeah. being bad look good. Um, you've always kind of blamed it on I don't have time. I'm managing now. I don't have this. I have big way camp. So you've basically been just uh, I've been putting it off. Lying man. to me. I've been putting it off. I've been putting it off. I'm, I'm not I'm gonna lie. I'm gonna have to stop because I'm, I'm not gonna be friends with you. We can't be friends. <laughs> no. Um, so really, more than anything else, it's about that little bit of an intimidation factor. There's there's a bit of intimidation in there. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. So one of the things you said is 
you're not going to be the best instructor you are when you leave the course. And that, in, in many cases, is unfortunately untrue. Yeah. I agree with your mindset. I agree with the mindset of, of Carlos, who just got his rating. Uh, Hank Priester and Colin Rhodes, all three guys in the same course, all have the same mindset. And they are not as good as they will be because they will continue to grow, learn, and push yeah. themselves. But most instructors will never be better than they are at the end of that course. Yeah. How often do you see a bad student in the real world? A percentage yeah, of time. Yeah, occasionally. Would you say it's 50% of the time? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. No. Would you say it's 10% of the time? That might be closer. 10% of your students are as bad as we are 100% of the time. Mm. So you'll never be that good at bad flying. Um, kind of a weird way to say. Uh, but your experience level, your time, your background, mm -hmm. your skill set that you represent, I think there's something to be said that when you have a really shiny object – Keeping it polished isn't as hard yeah. as if you're polishing it from a, a rusty state. I think part of the problem is you keep having me shoot video for your courses. And I watch, you know, a good example. You were just talking about Carlos and uh, and Colin. Uh-huh. Uh, man, uh, those guys are, are amazing. They're good flyers. They're amazing really, flyers. really great belly flyers. Way better belly flyers than me. And they are having a hard time. So I find myself going, oh, I don't know if I want to, like, really, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. It, it's intimidating. It really is. We've talked about it. Yeah. Tell me the day. You and I will go start making a some junk together. Let's do it tomorrow. Um, Not tomorrow. I'm off tomorrow. Tomorrow, I am actually going to uh, hopefully be working with Vu. Um, Vu, I hope you're listening. I hope you're paying attention. But uh, Vu is a buddy of a lot of ours, and Vu and I wanted to get together and do a little bit of coaching. Awesome. Um, he has jump bought the All You Can Jump package, and and, and you know that. And Vu feels like he could have a little bit better uh, background and training. Just so the guys who train him did an just okay like job. Just like all of us. Yeah, but yeah, he's good. he's been reaching out for it. So myself and a couple other people ha are going to work with him and j just give him that extra level of training that he's looking for. Mm -hmm. So uh, helping out a buddy. Uh, that and I'm um, hopefully I'm going to get Tommy. I'd ask Mr. P to take pictures of me tomorrow, but the man is busy as heck. And getting Tommy to take a picture of me tomorrow might help fulfill an obligation I he has. I just like the fact that we're calling Nick Mr. P. I've r I really enjoy that nickname. You guys can keep that up as much. Oh, as are we going to tell everybody at home why we're calling you oh, Mr. No, P? No, it will no. remain a mystery. Thank you. I, I but agree. I will. You can call me Mr. P all you want. I agree. The reason we're calling him Mr. P has nothing to do no. with anything that rhymes with schminess. I mean, huge shout out to Braden Smith <laughs> yeah. for dubbing me Mr. P. Oh, yes. Braden, man, I miss Be that dog. guy. Where's Braden at these days? Saipan. Still in Saipan? Yes, yeah. sir. God bless him. So if you build it, they will come. Nick and I were talking about it. We built this entire little studio with mixer boards and recording equipment and cables. So and when's Brayden going to come? For Brayden. Yeah. If you build it, he will come. Because this is meant for myself and Brayden. If you build it, he will come all over your space. People. He said he does plan on showing up and, do and doing one of these. So well, yeah, that's awesome. I really yeah. just want to hear him tell jokes. Like I just want <laughs> it to be a platform for I him, want him to, to do the. Comedy. I want him to do the movie voices. Welcome to Movie Phone. Yeah. He'll take over the whole scene, and I'm great with that because <laughs> it, it, it's, dude, I will sit here and, and be his. Braden, shout out, Braden. I miss you, bro. God, I miss that sexy body of yours, Braden. That's not true. No one misses you. I hate you. I don't think about you every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I hate you too, Braden. So he's actually storing his truck in the garage for my rental property, you, um, you know, where JV and Dahl live. And he actually pays rent to store his truck in our garage instead of using a storage unit. And he's only paid rent through April. So I said, does that mean you're coming back after April? I don't think the answer was yes. I think I'm getting another check. <laughs> but uh, 
Well, I heard that he's gotten food poisoning three times in his uh, short stay in Saipan so far. So hopefully he just gets sick enough that he has to come home. I hope he does, man. It's it's uh, this. Hey, free fly Spaceland join, man. Heath Richardson. Uh, I absolutely love Heath. Um, speaking of Braden and Heath, a boy he loves. Heath actually was one of the guys who inspired me to get into free flying. Psycho Circus. Psycho Circus days, back back in the days in the late 90s. So big shout out to Heath. He was another one of those guys that really taught me uh, how to free fly. Yeah, by carrying pizzas. Actually, no, he was not a pizza carrier. He was not a pizza carrier. No, actually, he was one of the first guys that me and my buddies, a guy named Eric Piazza, a guy named Jeff Cover, a few of us, Andy Muchmore, we actually uh, would watch Heath fly, and a lot of people were sta- still carrying pizzas, and Heath would actually fly with his hand inverted. Yeah. Um, and we all would watch. It's like, man, look at this guy. Look how smooth he is. We're watching him approach big ways. Like, oh, my God, look how clean that is. And it actually, just by watching that change the way he, we, we flew, and then, of course, he was on Psycho Circus. Me and my buddies, Eric and Jeff, yeah. started our own uh, team. At that time, we called ourselves Nitwits because we didn't want anybody to think we took ourselves serious. We had matching gear, matching jumpsuits, and we were on a team. It didn't mean we took ourselves serious. We just had a lot of money to spend on So crap. matching suits doesn't mean that you're awesome? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, our motto was we may look good on the ground, but we <laughs> suck in the sky. <laughs> so th- that was actually really our team motto. We eventually became Freak Show when we actually did well enough to not embarrass ourselves. Nice. Um, we won one medal, um, but Nationals was not a thing yet. Uh, well, Nationals was, but we moved. We all moved separate directions before the first Nationals allowed free flying. The, the, yeah. the first year that they actually made a test event at Nationals for free flying was the first year we were going to a- compete at Nationals, and we all had to move. One guy got relocated, and, and the other two of us moved anyways. So, so now, just so everybody knows, Heath is our chief pilot up in Dallas, Skydive Space Line Dallas, and he's flying our brand new aircraft, 420DZ. It's one of the super vans, the it's 900 horsepower. It's fast. Dude. It's super fast. Oh, my God. Eight that minutes to altitude. Changes the game, dude. It yeah. changes the game. Heath is absolutely, if you don't know about Heath, one of these days, Heath and I are going to have a sit-down com- conversation like this. I hope to b- actually bring him But I'm here. assuming he's going to be sitting on your lap. Uh, yeah, or absolutely. Or vice versa, no, I would imagine. You turns. only need one chair, so. Take turns. I hope to have him here just because it's a little bit better environment for all the equipment we have. But I also have a remote setup over there that's, that's a mic that records and broadcasts everything oh nice. at once. It's, nice. it's a nice little thing. Uh, Heath is a guy who really taught me a lot about free flying, really taught me a lot about canopy coaching. And if you are in the Dallas area and you have a chance to pick that boy's mind, Heath is not only a phenomenal flyer, he's a, a very modest man and probably won't tell you, he was on the original PD Factory team, mm-hmm. uh, the first the first uh, version of it. Basically, um, him, Shannon, Ian, and and yep. JMO. Um, and from there, he actually won the first World Cup of Canopy piloting. It was uh, not recognized as far as as world standard or world event, but it was basically a first test event mm-hmm. and didn't go fast. So he's got a lot of diverse background. Plus, he's sexy. I mean, he's sexy as hell. Just ask Paula. Mm, yeah, yeah. Get losing a little bit up here. Go look. Go watch the old. You ever watch a Free Fly Millennium Two videos? Uh uh-uh. uh Dude, when you leave here today, I need to give you a DVD. I think I've let you maybe borrow this DVD. It's called Free Fly Millennium Two, done by some boys. Uh, they call themselves Speed Curve. So you know, back in the day, we actually had to buy DVDs and VHSs to watch skydiving videos. <laughs> this day yes. uh, uh, of instant. I YouTube. think Children of the Corn was a VHS, wasn't it? Um, Maybe even the remix. Oh, I don't know. I think it was definitely on DVD, but uh, yeah, how was, was it? it? I mean, was I got, DVD. I have the remix on DVD, the original. Yeah, but I thought Children of the Corn might have been VHS. It might have been available on VHS, but I think it was available on DVD as well. 
Yeah, go watch it, all you youngins yeah. out there that want to watch it. I think Keenan and Abel was definitely on VHS. Ooh, yeah, that was definitely VHS. Grab your schlonk, your uncles and slayer your tarp. Yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, check out, dude. I gotta let you borrow Liquid Sky, uh, Three Five Millennium Two. Liquid Sky is the name of it. Yeah. Um, it has some killer uh, flying in it from back in the day. It features the space games. Do you know what the space games are? Yep. Uh, for people who don't know what space games are, you know, you, you hear about the little space balls. Simon Bones, if you're ever jumping near him, loves flying with space balls. Um, he I just loves balls in yeah. general. He's got a ball pit, likes to fly with space balls. Uh, loves Simon balls yeah. in and around his hands and face, yes. Yeah. Balls and, and diving Lots into balls. Immerse himself balls. in balls. Yep. Um, uh, the space games, you flew around a space ball and you had a competition doing transitions and moves around a space ball and, and other things like that. Uh, that was featured, the 3.10 way head down. I, I want to say it's 10-way or 8? I think it's a 10-way um, that's featured on there. And Freefly, uh, or Psycho Circus, he <laughs> old team, yeah. was featured on there. And a lot of other really super cool flying. Nice. Dan Young Zulu loves Heath for some odd reason. So Well, who doesn't love Heath? Uh, dude, everybody loves Heath. And who doesn't love Daniel? Hi, yeah. Daniel. So remind me when, when we get you out of here. Uh, do you have a DVD player still? Yes. I, I, rip, I still have a VHS. Still? Machine, VCR machine. I have a DVD machine, so I actually have all the ability to take something from a VHS oh tape nice. all the way to digital still, just because... Nice. I've got a copy of The Little Mermaid I would like you to do that, too. You will never get The Little Mermaid back. <laughs> <laughs> I will show you the Possibly world. Possibly Beauty and the Beast. No, I'm just throwing it out Aladdin. there. That's the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> Under the Sea. That's Little Mermaid. Oh, my gosh. You got Little Mermaid for the phallic-looking tower on the front of the box. Remember that controversy? Yes. Yeah, everybody was saying, Disney put a penis on the front of The Little Mermaid. I don't need to look at a box to see a penis. I just, hey, look, a penis. Yeah, but the boxes was much bigger. Probably. Yeah. So you decide to be a manager working I We just totally gone completely Is, is anyone keeping a dick and balls tally? <laughs> 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 it's in the double digits at least. How's that beer going, by the way? It's empty. Beer assistant? Mr. Oh, Mr. You, you need a beer, sir. Mr. Pete? Yes. Hey. I'm all over it's. Uh, I feel like it's getting funner as I get more and more uh, schlocked. So yeah, have a few beers and then uh, drive home. You know the bookshelf <laughs> next to the kitchen, the, the little shelf with bottles of wine on it. Yes, sir. There is a shorter bottle of scotch, the Balvini. Let's see what we got going Can on here. You grab that bottle for me, please. Yeah. Thank you. I'm all over. Um. There's the name of the jo show. Jay says the name of your show should be <laughs> Under the Sea. <laughs> and if you oh, also a good point by uh, Jay Vienendahl. If you Google. Children of the Gorn skydiving, you can find it on Vimeo, and it's a fun it's a fun watch. Jay Vienendahl actually is going to join me Wednesday next week. Um, Nick Lott and I were talking, Mr. P and I were talking about what it would take to make sure we can do Wednesday night. So, Jay, uh, I did talk to Mr. P. It looks like Wednesday night is a go. Wednesday night is solid for you and I to get together. Um, check out Jay and I on, on a little bit of, of a fun trip together. Nice. I might stop by and get drunk and watch you guys and make fun of you. There is a couch right there, and you can spend time on it. There, there is a couch over there, and let me tell you, it's a little bit freaky coming in this room because I'm waiting for you to say certain phrases like, I can't just hire a pretty face. I'm going to see what you need to look like naked. Casting couch, baby. Casting couch. Casting couch. Um, You're welcome, Jay. That's a reference <laughs> for Jay Vienendahl. Um, I can't just hire a pretty face. Oh, dude, totally. Oh, Google things, dude. So Google Children of the Corner, forget that noise. Google, yeah. you've seen The Bastard. Yes. The Bastard. People, Google The Bastard. Look for The Bastard on YouTube. A guy named Blake Milford, a buddy of mine, absolutely really solid dude, 
Blake uh, was jumping at Lake Tahoe, Skydive Tahoe at the time, and he shows up, like, you know, he, he's redneck-looking dude driving a van with some, like, country music, shows up to the DZ. It's nicknamed the Bastard. He, he steals candy from a kid, pulls some dude's <laughs> reserve, shows up to Manifest and asks how much to get to how high. They, they don't they, – they tell him, oh, we only go this high. We can go so high based off price. Pulls out a pocket full of trash with some change in it. How much can I get for this high? And they tell him an altitude that's extremely low. <laughs> no, I think low. I've seen that one. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to give away the rest of it, man, but it gets out of extremely low altitude. Well worth the watch. One of my favorite videos is The Bastard. By the Dylan Bastard. Bird. All right. As long as we're on the, the topic of videos, you watch The Bastard. And then don't forget to watch Johnny by Satori Factory, which is amazing. But shout out to Andy Malchiotti. Uh, if you haven't seen Andy Malchiotti's uh, short film, The Chase, on Vimeo, Go check it out. It's amazing. There's a porn star in it. There might be some boobs. What is the chase? I'm, g- I'm not going to tell you. You need to go watch it. There's a chase involved, obviously. So, Mr. P, we're talking about actually uh, good skydiving videos to watch online. Uh, the Bastard with Blake Milford, you know, where he gets out really low of a porter. Oh, yep. Yeah, yeah. I haven't told everybody the altitude. Uh, what other videos do you see online there's YouTube there's this uh there's this one out now called uh looking to build i don't know if anybody's heard of it oh yeah is that just ep- episode one right? i think it was Let's episode build. one i don't know who put it together or who edited it but it I was heard they were one of the best videos i have ever genius. seen i mean it was pretty amazing I if only if only the link to that could be posted on the comments f- for this live feed that would be amazing hey i think i know a guy matt tinley posted a link to something uh what tinley posted a link to does anybody know i don't tinley, know. tell me because we can't watch it right now buddy um Balvini. Um, straight up, if you're into scotch or whiskey, which I'm not, uh, Balvini, 14 year, the Caribbean cask dude. I have no relationship with these people, except for those of you who think I don't drink. Maybe I started drinking again. Um, they actually soak this in a rum cask for 14 years. Uh, my which boy is the way I want to die, by the way. Yeah. My boy Robert, who runs a speakeasy here in Pearland, Ooh, yeah, has actually got me on that. Nice. So. Um, dude, the speakeasy. Actually, uh, Adrian, I you know Adrian? I don't know if you know Adrian. He owns a speakeasy. And, uh, skydiver, yeah? Yeah, he's a skydiver, yep. about 500 jumps. And Robert has made a tandem with me. Uh, we're actually going to the cook-off, well, radio cook-off, nice. in Grazia's joint, in Grazia's little booth on Friday night. Ooh, yeah. Dude, they won awards last year. So my mouth is going to be happy. Quote of the day. Wow. Yeah. Um, again. Yeah, again, man. But you can use that one. Um, the speakeasy, uh, you've been to the speakeasy with me. Nick, we haven't gone I've yet. I have spoken easy. I'm not going to lie. You haven't gone yet, right, Nick? No, I'm really excited. Um, we got to get, th- we we'll get t- uh, together a group. So of I'm us. not going to say where this place is, but basically you get a password and then you walk in. You don't even go to the, to the lady at the front. You just yeah. go straight to the bathrooms and there's a phone booth between both bathrooms and you enter the phone booth you pick up the thing and and they ask for the password and then the the wall opens up and you go into the yeah. speakeasy they don't even ask for a password they actually answer it and i forget the name of it so i'm gonna make up the name but duluth trading company they name they, it's a name of a trading company yeah and the exit door to the speakeasy you can only go in one way you can only go out a different, different way different door yeah and it actually says the it's pretty fun, and they have great uh, they have great drinks. They do uh, craft cocktails, so I- it's not the cheapest night. Um, business casual, so we have to wear slacks and nice shirts now. Yep. Um, can I can I wear a tuxedo? Is that allowed? Dude, uh, Jed joined us the other night, and all he had was a sports jacket and slacks. So he dressed up basically in a suit without a tie. I'm into it. I just want to dress up. Just want to wear a gold tie. 
get uh, silly with my friends. Dude, uh, <laughs> we, we should get a, a group together. You know, any anybody who wants to know more about that speakeasy, uh, let me know in person. I'm not going to tell you much about it on, on here because it's a speakeasy. Jay wants to go next Wednesday. No, next Wednesday he's going to be here. Oh, next yeah, Wednesday you're going to be here next Wednesday. Um, which we're going to talk about, Nick, uh, switching chairs. I don't yep. know if it's a good idea. But sometimes you might need my attention or vice versa. We'll, we'll discuss that. Sure. Uh, I just wanted to point out that with your first three guests, that uh, we're all members of Team Ether, which uh, we need to get back together. Is it really a team? It was a team. I, if by get back together you mean kick Ben Nelson off, then yes, we I should mean, get back together. Yeah, that's a good strategic move, <laughs> and you can be like a an outside-outside guy. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the way they told me that I was off the team. They said, hey, great news. We're restructuring the team. You're not on it. <laughs> <laughs> that was Jay's exact words. Well, they went from uh, five-way or four-way with video to three-way artistic. Yeah, and so they don't need me anymore. Yeah. So who's don't worry. I'm going to mess that up real soon. You're going to be back real quick. Ben is gone. That's Nick's comment or Jay's <laughs> comment. <laughs> Jay just straight up, Ben is gone. Oh, um, boo. The, the speakeasy. I bet you Jay's typing that from Hooters right now. <laughs> ah. Oh, my God. I can't wait. You know he's at Hooters. You know he's at Hooters. Dude, you know last week or, or last time Nick and I did this, he sent us a text video. From, from Hooters. Yeah. See, he was at Hooters, yeah. literally. So I, I really hope he posts a selfie with a Hooters waitress. <laughs> if sure he doesn't, I'm going to be very disappointed. Oh, man. Um, the speakeasy, I actually got permission from the owner and the manager, the, the two guys who run the place. Uh, we're going to try to set up a Tuesday night, and that might be the night for all of us to go to the speakeasy. Where it's, it, they're closed on Tuesdays. For all you open. people out there in Facebookville, we're planning a very fun night for ourselves, but not you guys. Yeah, well, they're closed, and, and A, you need a password, and B, they're closed that night. If you show up and you use a password, they're, they're one person use. So if you show up and say the password is, what was the last password? Ben Nelson is stupid. No, everyone hates Everyone ben. hates Ben. Everyone hates Ben was, was the last, the last password. password we had. We had five people. And when five people showed up, if anybody else used Everyone Hates Ben, they would actually come ask me, are you expecting somebody else? And if the answer is no, they would. They came to you and, and like, hey, Ben's out there right now. And they're like, no, no everybody hates no, him. Yeah, no one invited nobody, that nobody guy. Invited him. No, nobody everybody hates him. him. Well, that's mean. Uh, Justin Grubbs, you need to get off the 12-year and go straight to the 14-year all the time. And the 21 year, I haven't had yet. So, uh, Justin, bring over that 21 year and uh, let's have a share. Let's have a drink sometime. A Balvini is probably, besides you sound my favorite scotch right now. As long as you drink it with the maple bacon potato chips, then I would say that that's a good plan. So, they're actually going to allow us. And so, that would be a good time. A group of us, you, me, Mr. P, uh, Braden, I wish he was in town. Uh, Jay, if he's in town, ju just a group of us fellas to actually start at the entrance of the restaurant, which is Grazia. So if, if you look up Grazia, you'll figure out at least where the speakeasy is, at least location-wise. And we're going to walk all the way in, all the way to the phone booth, video the whole experience, including us getting in, and then actually set up the camera at the bar so you can see the drinks he's making. Uh, my favorite drink there is up called and Up and Smoke. Up and Smoke. Yeah, dude. Just by the name alone, I had to check it out. Um, Cheech and Chong can't be wrong. But up in smoke, they actually infuse the drink with smoke in a way I've never seen before, um, and and you've seen it. So to actually, I've had it. It's good. You've had it, to let people actually see this experience. I mean, it's no Nick Lot, but it's pretty delicious. Yeah. Hey, as long as they have shitty red wine, I'm going. Mm, there's a limit I'm on. Sorry, they only have good red wine. Uh, no, nope, can't do that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Their wine doesn't come in little bottles this size. No. 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 Tiny box wine for me. No. No tiny oh. box wine. That's depressing. Yeah, it is. It is. So we're actually going to do one of these. Hopefully, if this momentum keeps going, this energy keeps going, we're going we're gonna to do that. 
Um, other things that we want to do with this, and actually it's nice that you're here tonight because you're part of this project. You're part of what's going on is a lot of people are seeing this as a live chat. And absolutely, I'm going to continue doing these live chats. Skydiving centered, but it, it, you know mo more about us. And over time, I think I'll get away from some skydiving. Uh, Jason David Frank has agreed to come. Oh, yeah. Nice. He's very interested, and his story is so interesting and so entertaining. Stephen Boyd has agreed to come do this. Hell, point. yeah. Once again, his is interesting. Uh, one that I really want, and I need everybody out there, all 12 of you who are watching, <laughs> to push for this is Valerie. Valerie Ruta Marvin, my wife. Um, a, Man, she's, she's got to put up with you all day. Why would she want to come in here and put up with you for a couple hours in the she evening? She sat in front of that mic last night, and I am, I've been living with this woman for 13 years. I have never seen her act like she did when we put a mic in front of her face. Yeah. And it, you, you show up in person. It'll be worth it. But you guys got to help convince me that people want to hear from Valerie. She runs the mentor depart, uh, program for Spaceland. She's an examiner teacher space force. She's taught a lot of people here how to skydive. She also makes a mean hamburger. Just she saying. She did make us a delicious Oh, meal. and a salad with kale in it. And I'm not usually a kale fan, but I ate it all because it was amazing. Kale, yeah, you did. Kale, yeah, the I did. The burger was pre-made, and I cooked it. Just saying. Just, just saying. So you... So your wife doesn't make good food. All right, thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, dick. Yeah. Really supportive husband. Yeah. Uh, the first time, <laughs> the first time Val cooked for me, we were at a friend's house for Thanksgiving. And this is is this a story that's not going to get you laid for a long time? Because if that's the case, I think you should keep talking. Go and so go. That's called getting Ben Nelson, not getting laid for oh, a long time. God damn it. They told Valerie, it was Thanksgiving dinner at a friend's house. They told Valerie, hey, put this bread in the oven. So Valerie put the bread in the oven. Nobody told her to see if it was on. The oven? Yeah. So come dinner time, we had frozen bread, and she's like, you told me to put it in. You didn't tell me to check anything else. Or turn it on. Yeah, so Alex O'Connor likes to give Val a little bit of grief. I like to give Val a little bit of grief. But she has come a long way. She is a phenomenal cook. Um, you've probably she definitely knows how to cook bread in an oven now. <laughs> yes, That's for does. sure. <laughs> Every time we have bread, um, <laughs> I probably get myself in trouble by saying something about <laughs> it. Like, oh, look, the bread's warm. You turn the oven on. And she's not super excited. So w we're going to do more of these. And part of your involvement and part of your goals is not just to actually have this going on and having these live chats with Valerie, convince people of Valerie to do this, but safety talks. Uh, you, I, I've had some really good ideas of how to do these, but the way you're framing them for yeah. me really kind of completes the idea. And the way that you, you framed it and the way you put it in context is, hey, guys, come spend lunch with us. You're on the middle of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. These will be random as they happen. You're at b work. You're bored. I don't know about you guys, but when I had a regular job, all I did was think about skydiving. You know, when I quit my regular job to skydive full-time, they were like, yeah, no, we saw this coming a long time ago. You're the only one who didn't know it yet. And so what we want to do is we want to have that opportunity for you at work to think about skydiving. So on your lunch break, somewhere around midday, noon, 1 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I, I think 11 makes more sense for the early yeah, lunch some, sometime in the afternoon. And, the, and I think yeah. the whole goal is that, um, you know, this, this chat that we're doing here is kind of long. Which it's is stupid. Because we're just hanging out. We're having a good time. We're drinking beer. We're having a good time. Bullshitting. Um, but the, the the stuff we would do during the week would be uh, very much more focused and very much like spend your lunch time, but spend only 15, 20 minutes of your lunch yeah. discussing a cer certain topic, um, give you a chance to ask some questions. Facebook Live is really good for that. And then um, and, and give you guys a chance to see just there's so many things that you could be learning. And uh, I say this all the time, even on bad weather days, there's an opportunity Tommy for Johnston. you. 
Mr. Twa- Tommy, did Tommy Johnston. Johnston just log on. Tommy, we were talking about your Tommy office. Johnston. Um, no, but so uh, what I was saying was that uh, you know <coughs> there was a point in time where if the weather was bad, we still had a lot of people coming to the drop zone because you you learn so much on the ground. You mm-hmm. really really learn a lot on the ground, especially as a new skydiver, whether that's about equipment or it's about process or whatever. Um, and we just we don't get that very much, but Facebook Live is a really good um, medium to to get that information out. It allows people to interact. It allows people to see, and it stores it on Facebook for a longer period of time. So if you have any any questions or you want to refer to it again, so uh, my hope is that we're going to be able to do, and I don't know what we're going to call it, but uh, we'll be able to do something once a week where we could sit down and have conversations, twenty minutes at lunch, yeah. maybe discussing uh, like the differences between. Uh, um, a reserve static line and a mard, or the or the difference between a throw out and a pull out, or let's let's all there's so many things that we could discuss. Yeah, one of the things uh, you jump, I jump, and several of our friends jump are pull outs, and, and mm-hmm. a lot of jumpers don't recognize a pull out. I've actually seen a jumper give somebody a total malfunction on a pull out because they didn't know how to inspect it when they stuck everything back Correct. in the back of the landing. Correct. So uh, one of the topics that, w- that we're going to talk about is actually r- I'm going to pull out one of my rigs. It's a pull out. I'm going to pull it open, let you see the entire opening process and how yeah. it works and explain the opening Beautiful. process, and then in return teach you the packing process uh, and also the inspection process. So that's an easy 10, 15 minute. Uh, how to properly maintain your three and release system. We'll probably get people like Matthew Peterson, Kelly Thacker, uh, Rory Corrigan, mm-hmm. Riggers, uh, Jeremy, 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 Jeremy. Thank you, Karnoff. Uh, to help us with, with a lot of these. Um, um, I don't know if I'm going to give those a name just as much as let them ride alone. For yeah. example, I actually plan on doing a just a, a little series on how do you how do you use your Audible. I don't think there's any right way to use an Audible. I think there's multiple options on how to use an Audible. Sure. So I want to talk about using Audible technology and, 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 and altimeter technology and where the digital age has really taken us with reliability. Um, I, you know, I, I heard somebody the other day say this analog altimeter will never fail, that digital altimeter's batteries can die, which is just such a horrible statement because A, any, any, any device can fail, and B, the analog altimeter won't tell you when it fails. The digital altimeter gives you a low battery warning. So Brian DeGrelly. He asked why I stopped wearing the five-toe shoes. <laughs> um, my response to that is go fuck yourself, Brian the Great. Because nobody he likes you. Stop being gay, Brian the Great. We actually talked about you a lot earlier, Brian. I hope you. Uh, Why did you stop jumping, Brian the Great? Oh, sick bird. Oh, ouch. ouch! 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 So someone we're get a veterinarian because this puppy is sick. No, not, not hilarious. Oh. I thought I was just hearing crickets outside, but they came <laughs> inside. <laughs> Remember that reaction to how he acts when people don't laugh at his jokes? There it goes right there. Um, dude, I am so happy with the way these mic stands have actually worked for me. Yeah, you're you're pretty good most of the time. When you turn to talk to me and your mouth, the direction of your voice isn't at the microphone anymore, I definitely lose you on, on the audio. Uh-huh. That's good. I actually plan on moving this over a little. It's like right there when you look over and keep yeah. talking. I did tell you, you. How about now? Yeah, we just need to get <laughs> you a little Britney Spears headset, you know. And How about nice. now, Nick Lott? Uh, God, your voice is so sexy and my ears are just insane. Do you listen to Britney Spears? Watch Britney Spears videos. Can't get enough of your love, baby. <laughs> I didn't know you were inviting Barry White. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll do more of those videos. I actually also plan on doing some product reviews, just short product. I thought you were going to say product placement, like we were just going to get to pick up <laughs> cans of Pepsi, <laughs> like Wayne's World, you know? I don't know what kind of product placement you would be thinking of, but, it's but this hoppadillo <laughs> is delicious. 
um, product reviews, so, you know, um, new devices that come out, new ideas that come out. Um, I definitely have a lot of relationships with various manufacturers, and I'm not going to commit to just them. You know, I, I want to look at all the products that are available because, yeah. for example, if you know me and you have any, any knowledge of me, you know I prefer and love Infinity Rig. But I think Vector makes a sick rig. It's just one of my absolute favorite rigs. If I didn't jump a uh, Infinity, <laughs> I'd probably jump a Vector, yeah. Um, Javelins is the name I almost said, is also a phenomenal yeah. rig. And, and so I want to actually look at those different rigs, the pros and cons, the different um, devices, whether they're altimeters, audibles, AABs. Um, so we'll talk more about those, and I needed to get off effing work. So Brian DeGrate's oh. blaming work on his ability to Yeah, but he's been blaming work on not being able to jump for like five years now. Either that or the girlfriend that he hooked up with re most recently, which is every five months with me. Yes. What? No, he's been with Kelly for like five oh, years. Oh, shoot. Yeah, he does have Kelly now. Before that, though, man, boy. Those girls, those those those. Actually, the girls. big thing when Brian <laughs> back back when I started skydiving, the big thing was every girl that Brian date broke her back. <laughs> skydiving. <laughs> I, uh, ha I had to reiterate skydiving because <laughs> I didn't want to think. No, but I think he I think he dated like two or three girls in a row. Brian, are you out there, bro? Didn't you date a couple girls in a row that broke their back on the uh, berm at Spaceland? There is that what happened to your back as well. That's that why is uh, that's why Brian and then that's why I was out for a couple months. I might get in trouble from Brian because I unfortunately know one of his stories of breaking a girl's back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he was actually ready to break up with this girl. I <laughs> 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 got broke her back <laughs> on landing. <laughs> Brian says just two dick. <laughs> <laughs> so she broke her back on landing, and Brian. And that's only because the last one didn't <laughs> date you long enough. I think she would have if she'd stayed with you. Um, because she, <laughs> well, three counting Ben, um, <laughs> and he actually stayed with her longer because now he had to take care of her, babysitter, nurse her. So actually, I remember that. Watching I actually her break that. her back was was one of his downfalls of that relationship. So, um, we're gonna do more of these. We're gonna do more of the safety chats, the safety seminars, the product reviews, uh, a little bit more of everything. Over time, this all will get better. If you guys like what we're doing, actually, Nick Lott was talking. Excuse me. I'm sorry, Mr. P was talking about uh, helping with video production. We actually know what we need to do to get multi-cam production so you can see just our faces. Well, from, from here on out, from my perspective, I'm just going to show up and get drunk. I'm not going to participate. I'm just going to hang out maybe in that chair yeah, over right there. We definitely need a drunk guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, feel like, I feel like we could all definitely have a mic, and one of us could be drunk most of the yeah, time. Yeah, I think you need to show up drunk, and then your goal is to black out before the <laughs> podcast is over. <laughs> I'm almost there, bro. <laughs> The goal is actually to get different furniture in here and actually putting a couch over there. Mm -hmm. um, this board is big Is it a black couch? Are you going to ask me, <laughs> uh, are you going to tell me that you can't just hire a pretty face? You need to see what I look like naked? You see right through me. <laughs> you see. Everybody in that tax trailer will see right through me. <laughs> oh, shit. Jake Jensen just logged in. Oh, crap. Oh, the world's gone to oh, hell. Oh, shit. Jake Jensen it's is here. Jensen's here. Um, how about a sound effect machine, AJ? That's a little too much technology for us. That's a little too much work. Wah, wah. Uh, <laughs> there's our sound effect machine. Scooters wouldn't allow it, Ben. So next week is off. Um, yeah, to be fair, it is past my bedtime by like four hours. So thanks for pointing that out, Brian. Yeah. And that's one thing that you actually mentioned. The same thing Nick mentioned is we're going to go 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. You didn't see this going that long, and it goes by really quickly. And, I mean, dude, minus the break we had, we're definitely over two and a half hours still. Nice. And uh, a lot of it's a waste well, of time. Well, we're definitely 10 people strong right now. Yeah. So, 
so we're actually going to 13 now. We're going to go uh, to a couch. I actually have a goal of having a bunch of us sitting here one day. I have enough mics to put into that board, or excuse me, enough inputs in that board, and access from Justin. Robert I think I think if you get enough people in here and you give us enough alcohol, we'll forget that we are actually recording, and that's when you're going to get some gems. That's that's when gold's going to happen. So, um, it, it's a, a lot. Oh, who are those people? Who's texting me now? Just a, just a hot babe, no big deal. Yeah, all the babes. Just all the babes are texting hey, me. Hey, ladies, the one of you that's probably watching, <laughs> Ben Nelson is uh, extremely single and very much available. Um, no, I just got a text from, um, well, does my mom count as a lady? <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> oh, well, I thought you yes, I got a text from a lady. I thought you were going to say it was my and mom. And she's a nice lady, so... What's it called? Uh, Stephen Boyd actually suggested what? last time his phone rang, and we didn't see it live because we couldn't track the comments, and that's one of the reasons we have Homeboy here for Mr. P, is answer your phone while it's live on speakerphone. So anybody who shows up to this, understand, turn your phone on airplane mode or be willing to answer it in speaker I like mode. That. I like that. Because it, I prefer you don't turn your phone off and answer that the speaker mode. That sounds like so much fun. I used to love doing yeah, prank phone that's calls a when great, I was a kid. That's a great idea. Oh, the, the downside is I think there's going to be enough people that will just call to be dicks. You know, after one like, or two you of know, those, we'll hang as up. As a good example, like Jay right now is sitting around <laughs> at Hooters, and if he realizes that he could just call us on the phone and be an asshole, then he would do that. And I, I don't... Uh, he might be trying to call my phone. And my phone I mean, he's an phone. asshole, but he's our asshole, right? Yeah. Well, he's your asshole. No, he's my tenant, and he pays rent, so I put up with him. <laughs> <laughs> so he's your asshole. Um, he pays rent, so I put up with him. So, Hey, Ben, we're restructuring Ether. <laughs> You're not on it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, bro. <laughs> oh, Jay's calling. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> See, that was a bad idea. How do, I, how do I accept it and put it on speaker? Hit the gray button, and then a speaker button will appear and put it on speaker. The hell do you want, Jay? I heard my name. <laughs> 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 so and we have a pathetic, lonely caller calling from Hooters. <laughs> Go ahead with your question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm putting you in the mic so that everyone can hear you. But, uh, yeah, so um, so you're homosexual. That's cool. No big deal. What's what's going on with your life? How many – you got any, got any boyfriends? Oh, shit, you're breaking up. We're going through a tunnel. <laughs> oh, man. I just hung up on it. <laughs> uh, Guru just got here. <laughs> Guru said put you your know, shoes on. You know, if Guru's going to call, let's get Guru to yeah. call. So uh, Jay will be joining us. If you don't know Jay, uh, we'll hear more of his story. He's another guy who's got a super eclectic background. Um, these first two have been a little bit more structured as far as me interviewing and talking to you guys uh, and asking more about you. But really? I think this is structured? Yeah. <laughs> it's as structured as I ever want it to be because as it's fallen apart and gotten down to this point, this is where I hope they all get to at some <laughs> level. I'm still three beers deep from it being really fun. Yeah. Now imagine adding Braden and Jay Vienendahl and Ooh, uh, a couple other guys to this. I'd say Jason Hyder, but it's a men's party. Mm. Mm, fair enough. Very fair. So. So it's a it's a okay never mind. Uh, can I ask a question about the is that a Norwegian flag you have? Guru Stunts dot com. G U R U S T U N T S dot com. Yeah. Guru Stunts dot com. Just saying. Love what does that guy. have to do with the Norwegian flag? That is the Norwegian flag. I actually got to do an ASF course and coach courses with some Norwegians, and ah. one of the Norwegians uh, was Marius Sotberg. Um, you might have heard of Marius. He's 
does a lot of stuff in Norway, and he sent that back with a guy named Rookie. Um, Rookie is his nickname, who is a uh, belly uh, <laughs> four-way guy and champ. So, man, I just don't. What are you guys laughing at? Tex just posted something about my hairy Harambe feet. Um, and has Tex seen the slide from PowerPoint? We'll just kind of leave that question. Uh, no, we'll leave that for safety day. But he does he know about that yet? No, I don't think so. Uh, perfect, man. Um, Nick, you saw it. Oh, fuck, yeah. It's, uh, oh, it's yeah, yeah. Yes. Do you guys come to safety day? We're going to really have some really good safety information, but we're really trying to pack it into a, a lot more fun conversation than just, uh, you could die skydiving. Stop doing that stupid stuff. We're also we're going to have some fun. The slides are a Stop little bit more Stop being a Nicholas Lott. Nobody wants to be a Nicholas Lott. Yep, not even me. Yeah. Hey, uh, Guru's complimenting your uh, sandal tan there, Mr. Nelson. Oh, yeah. So first, uh, Tex was giving me... Uh, shit about my harambe feet and now uh guru's telling me that my feet are nice and tanned so i don't know if i should put my feet down or keep them up that is the manager's tan Jesus. If on the video on facebook it looks even worse than yeah. in real life <laughs> it does actually <laughs> i can really? see it from over here um it, it's pretty epic man um it's the manager's tan if you were still skydiving a bunch you'd actually have shoes on often enough not to have that tan so it's a good thing you wear a shirt. Otherwise, you'd have like a half half a bra tan. That would no, be no. Now I take my shirt off to take a shower at the end of the day, and it's it's miserable. I'm so pasty. I mean, I'm not Tommy Miller pasty, but um, <laughs> pretty pasty. Yeah. Dude, it's Tommy said to keep them up. I don't know what that means. I mean, that could mean anything. What <laughs> what up do you want to keep, you bro? Know I'm honestly surprised that no one has mentioned the pillow on your lap that's been <laughs> hiding your erection <laughs> for the entire <laughs> podcast. I really thought that that was going to come up. <laughs> that's honestly, that's the first thing I thought. When I looked up and saw you with that pillow, I was like, what? what's he hiding under there? A, a massive erection, apparently. I mean, that's the only thing that makes I sense. I mean, I am sitting across from Nick Lott, so. There you go. Mr. P. It's an e wreck with a W. I, in this room, he's Mr. P. Oh, Mr. P. We, we have to fix that. Mr. So. Mr. PP, apparently. Mm, yeah. This is just, I'll this is just, uh, this has just gotten to the point where we're seventh graders making fart jokes. I'm surprised if See, there's I any, is there any? You know, actually, yeah, I think we have the most people growing. watching right now that we've no, had we were in the this entire time. We were 30-something earlier. We were doing pretty good. Nick's voice does it for Guru. Oh, that's good to know. Oh, Nolan guru. Harper just logged in. Hey, Nolan, what's up, bro? Miss you. Ben, you were my hero when I was in Houston. I was right next to you when you took off your shoes. Now I'm wondering, is it always that bad? Who who said that? Uh, Marion Andreas. Who the fuck Drobazi said that? Drabaznik. Boy, sorry about that butchering of the name. Uh, yeah, it's it's that bad. Uh, sorry, I got no excuse. Take it or leave it. It's uh, this is all Ben Nelson at this point. Take it or leave it. Pure manliness, that Ben Nelson. <laughs> so goddamn handsome. <laughs> Can't get it to grow on my head, but I can get it to grow on my back like nobody's business. People ask me how I grow that nice beard. It's fertilized by bullshit daily. Oh. Yeah, that's it. It doesn't grow up here anymore. Nice. Grows right back down here, so we're, we're good to go. Everything works out good. Um, Man, I really uh, – what's up, man? Missed you last week. When are you up in Dallas? Nolan wants to know when you're coming back to Dallas, man. Um, God, I don't know, man. Um, Hopefully soon. Uh, in fact, Nolan, good, good to hear from you. I think we might try and do maybe a smaller head-up camp prior to the state record up in Dallas. Uh, and I'm thinking maybe April, May. 
So uh, maybe I'll be up there some point in time. I was up the way. Actually, the real question, Nolan, now that you're asking, Nolan Harper, who just asked that question, where were you the last time I was there? I was there for 10 days. You didn't even come visit me. The problem is that neither one of you know how to read. And he says, missed you last time you were in Dallas. He's saying that he missed you when you were in Dallas. So he's not asking when you're coming. He doesn't care. Oh. Oh, well, in that case. He's just apologizing that he missed you when you were just No, he just told me that he wants to do it. He said, let's do it. I'm assuming he's talking about (laughs) it. The camp. Ben, I know you're still hard up. I don't know how cute Nolan is. But, uh, well, someone, I mean, we got some friends watching. Someone please set this man up with a nice young lady. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting so bad. But uh, come on, you're killing me. Did God, you you're just so like Look at you. You're smart. You're funny. You're accomplished. Uh, you've got a uh, very impressive yes, piece of guru. hardware. And uh, <laughs> Did you <I'm> say <laughs> impressive piece of hardware? No. I'm attracted. I, I love you, Ben. Hey, you know. <laughs> Are you hitting on me? A little, a little bit. Because uh, that's ca- this is confusing to me. Guru, she that's doesn't have starts. to be that's young. She doesn't have to be old. She doesn't have to be alive. We're just feeling a little curious, man. At this point, we just hope to get Ben something besides peanut butter and his <laughs> dog. <laughs> hey, win don't even talk about my dog. <laughs> She's a lady. <laughs> Screw you guys. She's a good dog. Because she cuddles when you're done? She's a good dog. It's <laughs> not in that way. <laughs> I love the word... How the word dog comes out She's of your mouth. She's a good mouth. dog. She's a little puppy dog. <laughs> you turned into screw a Texan. Screw you guys. Dog, screw you guys. Are you uh, on the king of the hill? Screw you guys. I'm going home. Oh, man. Uh, Jimmy Wynn wanted to know ASL. ASL? Age, age, sex, location. What are you looking for? Uh, oh, well. I thought we were talking about skydiving. No, we're talking about Ben Nelson. Yeah, no, this is... Oh, God help us. It's Ben Nelson or yeah, something like that. So CJ location. Le- all right, here. Let's start at the top. Location. <laughs> Earth. 35 sex. Mel, your mama's house. You know what? Y- nowadays, I don't even know what sex is anymore. Like, really? I mean, we don't even know. Like, Nick, are you a dude or a girl? I have no idea. That's the million-dollar question. Age. Mm-hmm. Based uh, off the know. pants he wears, he's a girl. Lululemon tights. Come on. Women's leggings. Actually, Nick wears the uh, kitten tights frequently. The ones with the cat. And the f- stars in the background, the, the cats right. The cats. cats right on your ass. Does do I have that? Yeah, you wore it once. Oh, I saw it. The cosmic cat. I know. Time. I have those Star Wars ones that drive you crazy. Oh my gosh! Let me just tell you, I have a lightsaber. Every time you wear that, <laughs> that's uh, a little more information than I wanted. But now I am I aroused. I can't put that lightsaber away. Uh, well, I'll wear them for you tomorrow. This is why the conversation is getting better. I'm already four beers deep. You're four beers in, and, and both of you guys are making my life easy because I'm just watching now. Yeah, well, see, I haven't. I don't really have a good excuse because I haven't had anything to drink. So uh, <laughs> you're drunken adults, and I'm still just a child. You're just you're <laughs> <laughs> you're a twelve year old. Yeah, you're fuck a twelve year old trapped in a thirteen year old's body. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you call us Sick adults? Sick burn. I can't believe you call us adults. So, um, holy Nick cow. is a dude. I've seen the wiener. That's that was not, from Guru. That is uh, not true. You're not a dude? No, the second <laughs> part. <laughs> no, with the pants you wear, we've all seen your Oh, wiener. come on. That's a uh, that's roll of uh, pennies that I put in there every morning. Dimes. They're smaller. Yeah, whatever. Chapstick. I mean, come on. You got to rub it in that bad? Not everybody's seen this. Not everyone knows the truth. 
I just think it's funny that I can see your face, but I know that everybody off camera right now just sees us looking in that direction while you're <laughs> saying things. <laughs> um, I think that got your hand in. Did it? Yeah, it gets we're right gonna find out. We're on delay. Right here. So anything past this edge of the monitor? Mm. Yep, I saw fingertips. I did. I did see them. So. Yeah. So you so you have no other questions? No, we're good. No, man. We're I done. We're good. We're not done. We're not oh, good. Oh shit. But uh, we're done, and we're good. No, man, I, I really appreciate you being here. Um, I wish people would actually spend some time, learn from what you said. You know, some of the, the things to me that... Basically, he's telling you to listen to the first 20 minutes of this thing because I haven't said anything good. No, the no, the first 20 minutes was you're a paramedic. So we can ignore that. It was pretty cool. The second 20 minutes was about how to get into free flying in camps, and that was yeah, really good. Yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. So, you know, coaches out there, definitely be a coach. Don't just uh, – a coach is not made in the sky. A coach is made on the ground. And I think that's where everybody gets it wrong is, well, I can really fly awesome, so I'm going to be a great coach. And, and really it's about the briefing and debriefing and the time you take with, with the jumpers, with the students learning. Um, get coaching, you know. So coaches be good coaches. Uh, know when to say when and, and know when to respect somebody. People ask me if I'll do certain tunnel coaching with them, and I say no, and it's not because I'm not capable – but it's because there are other much better folks out there to coach. John Walker, uh, Tex, dude, Tex, when it comes to flying in the tunnel, probably speaks to me better than anybody. And I love my boy Jay. He does a good job with me. But uh, Tex has the right balance of tough love and and beautiful even speaking. And beautiful mustache. And, dude, yeah. that And that, that sick mullet. Dude, oh he is straight up the gay Texan porn star in my book. And I'm in love with him because he's got kicks. And he knows how to catch babies. Catching the babies. I told him, uh, you know, <laughs> Adam Chamberlain is here for the gangbang. I told, I told Tex, you know, it's funny to receive. I would assume. Yeah, I told Tex it's funny that uh, you know, we've been we've been trying to get some of our videos more exposure, and if all we all we had to do was throw a three year old out of the plane and have him catch it, and it would have gone viral. This whole time, nobody knew. <laughs> Don't do that while I'm drinking water. But let's be honest. The reason that went viral wasn't because he caught the baby. It was because he did the most awesome post-baby catch flex to the camera that I think I've ever seen. I probably watched that thing maybe – I probably watched that thing about 50 times. Who did he steal? And I've laughed the entire time. Who did he steal the shoe from in the tunnel? Remember somebody lost a shoe, an instructor's trying to grab it, and he's at the door and jumps in and steals it from him? Do you remember who that was? I don't remember that. Dude, his reaction after that was priceless, and that's as, as fun I remember as him getting kicked in the junk once. Yeah, he sent me a handful of videos of, of catches and just hilarious and amazing things that have happened in that tunnel, and he always flexes at the end. It's great. Dude, he, his, his showmanship at the end, man, uh, he is our version of Cam Newton. Who's that guy who used to play? Ocho Cinco played Ocho for Cinco. Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah dude. I'm, I'm waiting for, for him to – Make a save in the tunnel, catch somebody, spot somebody in the tunnel, and then pull a sharpie out of his jumpsuit and sign the person's forehead. And if you haven't thought of that, Tex, now now you need to get it done. And for those of you that don't know, Tex is a member of the three-person ether team that is Tex J and my very good friend Nick Lott. Who? No Mr. longer no longer Ben Nelson. Mr. P. Kind of like our young Jamie, but Mr. P. Much better. Much better. Um Guys, if you have any suggestions, any comments for us, anything that you want to see better, um, please let us know. Once again, with the audio, we're trying to make things better. Um, Tex needs to do uh, – needs to order a bigger helmet now. Um, 
Um, the audio, if the audio has gone really well, I really can't thank Justin Maudlin and Susan Hickman enough. Go check out Susan Hickman's Facebook account. Uh, listen to her music. She is a phenomenal artist. Uh, I can't thank them enough. If the audio is not as good as they as it, as it could be, they taught me I'm the problem, and I'm, I'm the student who did it poorly. Or Mr. P, you're on the mixer board right now. It sounds really good, but I do think that there's a frequency thing uh, because we're going into the phone. But through the everything through the soundboard sounds really nice. And I, uh, as as you know, um, everybody who's hearing the audio, we're actually going to have more cowbell. I actually have a different <laughs> plug coming. Gonna have more cowbell. <laughs> there's the yeah. There's uh, I have a different plug coming to plug into my phone that should eliminate that extra hum, that extra hiss. Um, it's a steep learning curve for me. I actually invested about four hundred dollars in audio equipment over the last week between. Mic stands, mics, new cables, new mixer board, audio equipment, etc. And so uh, please be patient. Let us know if there's anything we can do different, anything we can do better. Uh, Mr. P should be joining us on a regular basis next Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Uh, are you sure about that? Should I? Only if there are more of those uh, hamburgers. Uh, I don't know if hamburgers will be the word, but so good food will be the word. What you're saying is you need more of DJ's meat in your mouth. That's precisely what I'm saying. In order to be able to participate. Do you have tube steak? Can, we, can you serve tube steak? Have you ever had my tri-tips? <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. Have you ever <laughs> had? <laughs> try that tip. Have you ever had try my tri tip? Seriously, I've heard I, you I've talk about it. There's two things I know how to do well in this world. One of them is skydive poorly, and the other one is cook good tri tip. And anybody who I've said that to, I've told them at the end of this, you will say, "I love your meat in my mouth." Heath Richardson refused to believe it, and now he will say it every day of the week. And Heath Richardson has literally said to me personally that he enjoys your warm meat in his mouth. Yeah, those were the exact words. So uh, one of these nights, maybe next week, we'll do it. Maybe maybe we'll have it happen. I think Jade Zinendahl <laughs> wants to try tip next week, so we will do something for food next week. Um, I like to be nourished before we get going. No, I'm just fucking with it. You don't have to give me anything. I'll be here. Uh, but no, we're still gonna eat, dude. Because I don't care. I'm I really want you guys to have headphones because it's so much better with the headphones. Um, I think one of the goals is to consider headphones for us, but it's I a matter of, of getting there. I think maybe it would look weird. Here's what I want. You guys next, having next headphones on next Wednesday when Jay's here, I'm gonna sit over there, yes. and I'm gonna put headphones on, and I'm gonna drink beer and laugh. Um, and I got a splitter to put two headphones in there, so we can do it. Done. I can definitely do that. Um, got a second set of headphones. The Y mod is. I'll uh, get my own headphones. I don't care. So I'm committed. You're committed. Cool, man. Guys, gals, thank you so much for hanging out with Ben Nelson. Um, you don't like to do it in person. Uh, ben, <laughs> where is Maxie? Uh, Blair wants to know where y'all's girlfriend is. I think uh, Blair's girlfriend is back at the trailer. So uh, yeah, guys. Again, thanks for joining us, uh, Mr. P. We'll be here to help us out and take us ca take care of us. Remember, if you can name this podcast, I need a name before I upload these. I'll buy you fifty dollars worth of jumps, two experience jumper skydives, or uh, fifty dollars towards your STP jump, whatever it takes. Uh, Till then, blue skies. Thank you guys. We're out of here. Later.